Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pioneer Podcast. As always, I'm Tanner Grace. I'm joined by the bearded man himself, Ross Merriam. How you doing, Ross? I'm tired. Dude, I, I feel you today. Like, I really feel you today. And it, it's weird for me because uh, I just got off a of vacation. Like, uh, you know, I spent the... Yeah, you got in Sunday night? Yeah, I got in Sunday. Well, Sunday, we left super early Sunday morning, actually. So we got begin like Sunday afternoon. I really wanted to see my dog. That That's actually the reason. The uh, We went with the sister-in-law and the brother-in-law. And uh, they, both our dogs were at our, their parents' house. So, um, cause uh, their, their dad is like the favorite. He just keeps treats on his person at all times and just like, you know, buys their love <laughs> or whatever. And I'll tell good you this. strategy. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the best vacation. It was, it was a good place to go. Like it was cool going to the beach. We stayed away from people. We like made our own food and stuff. Like we got a, uh, we didn't get a hotel room. We got like, like uh, an Airbnb quote unquote. It's like. It's, it's like a hotel, but it's just like you get a, f- a full floor to yourself pretty much, like an apartment, you know? Yeah, a and, flat. Uh, like I had three bedrooms, a full living room, a full kitchen. You know, we cooked all our, all our food and stuff. And uh, where was I going with this? Yeah, so it was, just, it was just nice, very comfortable, very easy. I liked it a lot. But um, I, I have like uh, TMJ, you know, like, I like um, I grind my teeth really bad in my sleep. And then anytime that I'm stressed, like when I – or – I have something going on or I'm concentrating really hard. I grind my teeth. Like I, I clench my jaw really bad. So um, like when I played sports when I was a younger kid, I wore a mouthpiece at like all times. And now when I sleep, I also wear a mouthpiece because I, I grind my teeth really bad in my sleep. And I forgot my mouthpiece on this trip. And it's not like just any mouthpieces you can buy at a store. This thing is like fitted to, you know, they had to like put the gel in my mouth. Yeah, it's you like know? a prescription. Yeah, it's a prescription. Know, yeah, it's a prescription thing. They're like super. Almost. Yeah, they're super expensive because for some stupid reason they're super expensive when it can't really be that hard. Maybe the gel is real. I don't know. Anyway. I have some thoughts to that effect, but we, we can skip over I that. understand why. <laughs> yeah, 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 you get what I'm saying. Like, It doesn't make sense that it's expensive because everything leading up to it doesn't cost that much money. Anyway, uh, we can get into capitalism later. There'll be a whole other show on the Patreon only. Uh, y'all should see Ross's face. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if we've got enough time in one show for that. But no, anyway. not. Yeah. Anyway, so... I just like forgot to to wear my mouth. I mean, to bring my mouthpiece. So like, I kind of had a headache for a lot of the trip. But otherwise, I slept so much. Like so, like I got in bed at like eight forty five one night. Was out by nine thirty, and then like woke up at like seven or eight. eight. Like I slept for like ten to twelve hours. You know, and this is like almost every day. I took a nap in one of the days just because like you know I'm not feeling great, and I was sleeping super great the last couple of days. And then today, man, I don't know what it was. I'm just tired. Long day, rough day at work. I know what it is for me. It's just, it's starting to get hot and I'm just lethargic in the heat. I'm not, I, I, I just slow to a crawl and it throws me off entirely because what happens is I'm lethargic during the day uh, because of the heat. And so then I don't get shit done. And then when it finally cools down at night, I try to make up for being, and you're just doing up super nothing late. during the day. Then I'm up too late at night. And then I, you know, it, it just pushes everything back even further the next yeah, day. I've been there. And like, you know, you woke me up today when I woke up at noon. Dude, I felt so bad. I called you at 11.15 my time and I was about to hang up because you, you didn't answer. You answered like the fourth ring. I was about to hang up and you're like, hello. You know, like, you know, the, you know, the, the tired hello. Yeah, the groggy. Say? Yeah. And you could hear my voice. I was like, oh man, did I wake you up? I'm sorry. I didn't know if you were like hungover or like no, you had no. a late I, night. I, I needed to get up anyway because I was supposed to be productive today and I wasn't nearly as productive as I wanted to be. Yeah. And 
I just, I, it's just so hot all the time. And it's not like I have trouble sleeping because, you know, I have an air conditioner. And so, th- th- like, that's fine. But I only have it in one room in the apartment, in my bedroom, so I can sleep. So, like, my living room is still just kind of hot. Oh, I remember. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's better than it was when you were here, but it's not much. And honestly, like, going from, now, going from, now going from my bedroom to here, like, it, you know, it's just hot all the time. And, like, going outside to do anything, if I need to, like, go grocery shopping or go to the laundromat, I'm just, I just don't have any energy to do anything ever. And I have so many things I want slash need to do. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, I'm having a, I'm having a similar problem because it's, it's very hot here. It's been raining all day, and that might be a thing for me. It's, it's, you know, it's been, like, literally, I've barely seen the sun today, but it's still fucking hot because it's Louisiana, and it's like, if you go outside at all... the worst. Yeah, I went outside to do, uh, like, I go for at least a walk every day, a walk or a jog or just something to get my heart rate up for 15 or 20 minutes, and I just started sweating immediately when I was outside. You know, you're just covered in, like, the sheen, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, this... this, Yeah, this, this sucks or whatever, but... You know what? There's other things we could complain about. It could be worse. Um, I think other than that, I think honestly, I think I've been a tiny bit depressed lately. Like, I think the like the quarantine kind of stuff is kind of starting to get to me. Um, the world's just been so shitty, and like everything's been different. And like, I am a human being. I fear change quite a bit. You know, I don't yeah. care anyone who says that. Like, oh yeah, difference never bad. I'm like, no, it's like you're you're a creature of habit. That is the yeah, human there, way. There's a lot of anxiety that comes yes. along with what's happening, even though you know we're obviously not feeling the brunt of it. But you know, figuring out you know how to operate under these new conditions and what you know exactly is our responsibility to what, what's going on in the United States, and then you know trying to continue that while you know i've basically been inactive streaming as a result i just can't juggle all those things i think a a, a more well-adapted person i'm sure could but that person is not me yeah you just don't want to feel fake right like i've done that before i've i've, I've streamed where like i don't like what's going on other stuff and you're trying to be like happy go lucky guy on stream and like something bad happens and it just comes out or you just feel fake and stuff like that and like i don't i don't like doing that i don't i don't want yeah. to do that I also just haven't been as, you know, focused on magic, you know, for the first couple months from mid-March to mid-May, you know, I was probably more focused on magic during that time, even though there were no tournaments, but because of streaming on a day-to-day basis than I had been in a couple of years, to be honest. Um, And the, you know, now I'm, I'm off doing other things and I'm still, my content for the last few weeks has all been focused around Corset 21 cards so that, that's just a different animal, you know, brewing decks. And, and so I my engagement in, in Magic always starts with my content. That's always first. You know, if I need to sacrifice tournaments, I'll do that to make my content better. And so, you know, obviously you can say streaming is another form of content, but it's one that fundamentally focuses on tournaments and preparing for them and playing in them. And so I've had to leave that aspect of my relationship with Magic by the wayside for the time being at least be, you know, less involved there. Not completely, you know, I'm not entirely disconnected, but not nearly what I was from mid-March to mid-May for the last, you know, month. And now I'm I'm slowly starting to, you know, have a, a good grasp on what I'm doing, you know, in the community that I can now try to figure out how do I balance streaming, tournaments, you know, content, and, uh, and you know, the, the political work and 
it's just a lot and that kind of you know anxiety for me always crops up where like I react really poorly to it and if I have too much stuff going on and it overwhelms me I'll just look to escape and that's just never good because like the stuff doesn't actually go away um so I've got to get better about not doing that and, and like it's just a whole mess of things going on so uh you know I'm, I feel tired both because of the heat, I guess, and because, like, my brain just doesn't ever shut down. Like, I, I don't feel like in the last month I've had a, a time where I've ever, you know, stopped think, stopped really thinking about things. Like, you know, that, like, you know, period of intense mental activity. I've never gotten oh, a, a you know, I, I've had the problem my whole life. relax my mind. Yeah, I've had the problem my whole life. It's probably why I started drinking, honestly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I agree. Um... You know one thing. Okay, so it's been a pretty bleak start to the show. <laughs> pretty downer. You know what? You know what makes me actually kind of happy, Ross. What? Baseball's back, sort of. So, so uh, all I did was read the see the headline about this, mm-hmm. probably on like Twitter or something. Mm-hmm. So they're 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 doing a sixty game schedule, right? And the only thought I had when when it happened was, God damn, I hope my fantasy league doesn't try to play some like short fantasy season because I have no interest in put doing that at all. I've already drafted one of my teams, <laughs> so we're going to do that one. And then we have a, I have a league where, you know, we just play every year. It's the same league, but it's a dynasty league. Like, you keep your players. Yeah. They have salaries that increase and decrease just, per just year. Just cancel it for the year. Well, the thing is, all the stuff's already gone through. Like, so we're, we're, we're trying to figure out, like, are we going to play? Well, like, we still have stuff more stuff that we have to do because we have to go through, like, what players on what roster every year because, like, you can't afford all your players. They have to go, you know, and, like... You have to go to auction, et cetera. Anyway, there's there's some stuff to it. We might just do that and then not play the season or something. I don't know. But they're going to play the season. And so for people at home that don't know, 60 games sounds like a lot, right? That's like almost a full NBA season. They play, what, 72, right? They play 82. 82. I don't know why it's 72. Three, it's definitely three quarters 82. of an NBA season and, you know, four NFL seasons. <laughs> right. So Major League Baseball plays 100 and – yeah, Major League Baseball plays 162 games in a season. Plus the postseason after that. So this was less than 100. They're going to miss 102 games of a regular season. So it's just over a third of the season. This would be about the equivalent of basketball playing 30 games. Right. Right. So it's much more a sprint than it is the, like, just grind that baseball usually is. I wonder how, like, you know, is this season going to count for, like, record books? If somebody just, like, goes on a hot streak and hits 400? Okay. I th- Are they Ted the, Williams? The, the stats will count. Yeah. If someone hits like 400 this season, I think there's going to be an asterisk next to it for the whole time. Though some people have said they're like, I, I think it should count. Like no one's going to break a home run record, right? Like obviously you just don't have enough games, yeah, it's, right? It's the rate records. That'll, right, that'll, the rate records, right. right? You know, like someone's ERA could be like well under one this year, you know, just because like they had seven good starts or something, you know, 10 good starts. You know, p- pitchers have done that. You know, then they have that one start where they're like, well, I gave up eight runs in this start. So, uh, you know, but... The game's going to look a lot different this year. Have you heard about the rules changes implemented for this season? No. Okay. They get a little wild, right? Um, The most interesting one, and this is the one that I think has the best chance of sticking or possibly getting changed to stay in the future, is the designated hitter is universal this year. Pitchers will not hit in Major League Baseball this year. So they're just using this as a guinea pig season. Sort of try out rules that they thought about over the last two decades. We'll get into this. Sort of. I'll get into this. There's 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 more to this. All right. So, um, also in the regular season, not in the postseason, but in the regular season, extra inning games will start with a runner on second base for each team. Mm -hmm. 
starting in, in the 10th. It's like, it's like college football versus NFL football. You know, they just, they just want it over, you know, like, um, like once they get to the third overtime or whatever, um, trade deadline's changing. The roster is going to start with 30 people for the first few weeks. And then it'll go down to 28 after that for another few weeks. That's really small, isn't it? No, no, no. You normally have 26. Oh, uh, you get 30 towards the end of the year. They do expanded rosters at the end of the year, but like they're thinking about getting rid of that anyway, but it'll go back down to normal. But for the first month of the year, they're like uh, the first month of the season, they're going to let people have big rosters. Um, here's the funny part. So, so I mean, rotations are probably going to expand or they're going to go to like six well, is what going to expand rotations. Like I, I expect a starters? lot of teams to do six man rotations this year. Yeah. But um, if they can, if their team can do it, if you have a really good five man rotation and like, it's not going to affect you, just, just go for it. But you'll, you'll see people taking extra days of rest. Um, so here's one of the other cool things that's going on. So even when you have a 30 man roster, 28, 26, whatever, you get to technically have a 60 player roster and you have players that are called your taxi squad that like come with you and you can like rotate those players. Like they're making sure people stay healthy. You know what I mean? Um, there's a different injured list. Are minor league teams playing right now? No, it was a big are, deal that they're, they're even getting paid. Play? I don't think they're going to play like some of the independent leagues might, but I think the literal minor leagues aren't happening. In fact, I don't know if you've heard about this. A lot of teams have actually been disbanded. Like, They've shrunk the minor leagues. Like, they just can't afford it when there's no baseball going on. Like, the, the salaries these guys get paid is not small. And if they're not making any money, like, they have to pay their major league players. Anyway, a lot to that. Um, there's going to be a, a COVID-19 injured list. So, if someone tests positive, which players have already started testing positive. Um, yeah, they're going to call Mariners players, I think. Right. So, here's the other interesting thing. And this... This is also going to be talking about people are going to talk about the legitimacy of like whoever wins the season besides the number of games rate. So you will play within your division. So for people who don't know, in baseball, it's west, it's central, west, and east. And your teams are kind of like if you're in the center of the United States, you're in the central division. If you're on the west coast, you're in the west. If you're on the east coast, you're in the east. Generally, right? It like kind of works out. So you're going to play the teams that are close to you. The other teams that you will play is the American League equivalent. So, like, the National League East will play the American League East. Normally, you play within your, like, you just play all the teams in your league and then a few of the teams outside of your league. So, the American League East and the National League East will play. Same for the Central, same for the so West. So, they're just cutting down travel as much as possible. They're cutting down travel as much as possible. Here's the thing. The the best division in each league is the, is the East by, like, a significant margin. And they're going to beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> So who, who's the worst team among those two divisions that's just going to get shit on over and over again? That's the funny part, too, is, like, it's the Marlins in the, in the uh, National League East and the Baltimore Orioles, right? And both the teams are like, yeah, you know, like, this year, like, maybe we'll win some games. We'll play these other—we'll beat the other bad teams because, like, we're getting better. We're, like, young. No, you're just going to get shit on by all the good yeah, teams. Yeah, they're going to they're get to 10 wins. Uh, yeah, I think they'll get—like, it's baseball, man. Like, like no, I don't think it was going to go 10 and 50, you know, because no one goes 20 and 100 in a season, right? But, like, they'll win some games. Both those teams are somewhat improved. Like, they have some decent young players. I, I guess players. the question is, do they get to 20 wins? They might not get to 20 wins. Uh, yeah, 20 and 40 is, like, kind of kind of rough. That's, a, that's yeah. You know, 18 and 42, that, that's in the realm of possibility. So, I don't know all the details here, right? Like we said, um, the, the guinea pig thing. So, interesting things have been going on behind the scenes here. Um, it's very easy to say, like, it's just the... Because, like, they almost didn't have a season. Right? Like they've been going back and forth for like a month and a half, two months on this. Right? And each time one, either the players association or the owner association would like send a, hey, here's, here's our, here's what we think is going to, we should do. 
And when I say that, I don't just mean number of games, how it plays out. They're talking revenue sharing, how much is in the playoffs, because like there's going to be an expanded playoffs this year, which is a big thing for the owners because it makes baseball more money. And all the extra money goes to the owners, right? And so the players were like, well, look, if you're going to do expanded playoffs, we, we want some of our stuff, right? And so like each one started arguing for what they wanted and uh, a lot of a lot of bad stuff was said about the commissioner because it's pretty obvious that he's just 100% in the owner's pockets, which is like, makes sense because they hired him. Like he's there to facilitate the billionaires to become more wealthy. Anyway, we're, go- we're not going to go down, down that road anyway. But there was a lot of interesting stuff going back and forth. And it definitely looked worse on the owner's parts. The players weren't completely innocent in this, but like they used a bunch of different uh, negotiating tactics and stuff like that. And in one of them where the owners finally gave in to some of the players' demands, they wanted to take away their rights to um, to get like seek any kind of legality issues towards the owners of the league if something happened. Like if someone got seriously injured or sick because of COVID-19. They wanted to literally have them give up their rights. And the players were just like, N- no, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like that's, no. that's like a major grievance. And it's actually a really big deal that they came to any kind of agreement right now. And this is one thing that I was a little worried about is if, if they didn't come to an agreement this year, like if they just struck the season from the record and they were like, Hey, we have no agreement place. We're not going to play. We'll play next year, which a lot of people listening are probably like, yeah, they probably should have done that. There's a collective bargaining agreement coming up next year in 2021. And if they left this bad of a taste in their mouth for this long and they didn't come to something then, you might not have seen baseball until 2023. When, like, I'm not going to go into the whole legality, uh, like, you know, all the stuff going through it, but that would pretty much kill the league. Like, I, I don't know what your fan base looks like after that. People are not going to be interested. They're not going to welcome you back with open arms. I'd want to see what happens. There's a lot of people that believe uh, this theory that you know, they just had a show about it, you know, McGuire and Sosa doing the home run uh, race back in, what was it, 97, 98, I think, 98, them doing, like, yeah, that's when he actually broke it, but they were doing it the year before, too, and, like, the year after, like, they were just hitting absurd numbers of home runs, Griffey was, too, it's, like, the the highlight of his career, that little three-year span, there's a lot of people who believe that um, they were not getting tested during those times, that, you know, hey, we frown upon PEDs, but just so you know, you're, you're, you're not going to be tested, or we're not going to test for this because baseball is at one of its all-time popularity lows, yeah, and they exactly. wanted the people. season. Yeah, they wanted people to watch. You know, it's it's a lot like the the Patrick Ewing to the New York Knicks thing, and yeah, and the the secret suspension Michael Jordan theory, and, and there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. Anyway, um, sorry for going off of like a ten minute tirade on baseball, but it's like the the greatest love of my life. Sorry, sorry, Natalie. But, you know, it's... Uh, I think you should be apologizing to Benny. Well, she knows she's my favorite. I can't <laughs> pet baseball. I don't get to snuggle with baseball every day. Baseball doesn't I come mean, sit on my you lap. You could if you wanted to. I mean, I would, yeah. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I. What does that think? If you love it so much, why don't you marry it? I, I would. <laughs> like, to give me a chance. So, I am excited about Ten, getting... Do you take baseball to be your lawfully wedded partner? Yeah. To have yeah. a duel. Yeah. So, like... In sickness and in health. <laughs> It definitely in sickness right now, but till death do you part. I, I I'll say this: I am excited having it back, no matter what version of it it is. You know, this is gonna feel weird, but I'm I'm just excited to have that to watch because that's my favorite thing about baseball is that there's just a game every day. You know, it's not like football where you're like, well, 
here we go Sunday. You know, and that's kind of cool. It makes the game feel a little more special, you know, a little more hectic. But baseball, it's it's kind of like my favorite TV show. I like watching the character development. You know what I mean? From like early in season, we're like optimistic and oh no, we suck. So let the kids play. Oh, look, hey, look, you get to see the future. You know, oh, that kid looks like he's going to be pretty good. Or like you're just crushing it the whole year and you're like, man, we're going to we're going to make it. And you know this, me being a Saints fan, it's like every year I'm like, dude, we're like one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league. And then something happens. And I'm like, man, we suck. <laughs> you know, or, or this sucks. <laughs> it worked out in college football this year. We obviously had the best team, but we all we also won everything, which is nice, you know, and so. I'm yeah, really looking. Winning for, everything is nice. Say it again. Winning everything is nice. Yeah. So we were joking about <laughs> it. If they don't have a, a college football league because it looked like they weren't going to play college football this year, but I think they're just going to or whatever. I was like, does that mean we're the longest defending champion of all time, or like how does that how does that work? Are we just do we just get the championship for next year too? Since it's like no one played, we're just technically the champion of that year, right? Anyway. Um, yeah, sorry for the long baseball tirade, Ross. My bad, but that's just what our show is. Yeah, that's I mean, perfect. There, there's a lot more to it, and it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with this year, right? Like, what if a team's like way out in first place, and then their star player tests test positive for COVID? Like, what, like what happens? You know, obviously they can't play, but like, does that put another asterisk in the record? Like, you know what I mean? Like, nobody knows what happens. Yeah, we just things happen, and then we react to them. Like. I think this this season is going to be fun to watch in the moment because they're going to feel it's going to feel more what's the word I'm looking for here more dire like every game matters more right because there's so so many fewer of them yeah and I'm going to be just... entertained in the moment when it's going on but looking back at it five years from now I'm gonna be like yeah that that wasn't really real unless the Braves win it all that it was absolutely real and it mattered <laughs> and everything Counts should count too. <laughs> because of the extreme circumstances the mental fortitude required to win that championship. <laughs> Was so much more. I don't care that they had to play a hundred fewer games in the regular season. They were going to make the playoffs anyway, and they won when it counted. Yeah, and like that's that's another thing too. It's like, I mean, I thought we were going to be one of the best teams in the league this year. Most of the projections did too, but it's like now we have to play Boston, the Yankees, and Tampa a bunch of times. Like those are three of the best teams in the league, not just in their not just in their division, like in 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 all of baseball, right? Like, the two favorites are the Yankees and the Dodgers. And, like, we don't have to play the Dodgers, but now we got to play the Yankees a lot. And so, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. But, so, some Pioneer was played uh, this weekend. Uh, you you kind of want to talk about that, maybe? Yeah, let's transition. Not the smoothest transition we've ever had, but that's fine. That, that I'll take responsibility for that. I'm the transition guy, but... So, uh, two challenges over the weekend, and honestly, results that you would expect. Yeah, results that you would definitely expect. Um, It does feel like the format is, quote-unquote, a little solved at this point. Though, like, there's some other stuff kind of, you know, creeping up, right? There's a a few things here. You know, like, uh, we we see a little bit of a return of of Sultai, Delirium. So someone could afford to play the deck? Yeah, I, I guess, you know. Second place in the, uh, in the first challenge of the weekend from ND Vayu 2. Uh, you know, just playing. It's it's a typical Sultai list. There's nothing you know crazy going on here. Uh, but that was a, a deck that we didn't really see a lot of in the immediate aftermath of the companion nerf, and I think is certainly powerful enough to compete. Uh, so happy to see that one here. Um, we talked the other week about Monored being you know a surprise emergent, and you know Burn was one of the top decks while Luris was around. But the 
people have transitioned back to Monored. That deck continued putting up some results. We see it in fourth and in fifth here. Uh, pretty similar list to what we saw last week. You know, higher land counts, Mutavolts and Ramnap Ruins, Castle Embreath, so a lot of utility lands. Uh, you know, the 10 one-drops in both lists, the Prowess Creatures and a couple Zergo Bell Strikers, Curve Topping out at Torbrin, you know, a little bit of Burn. So th these are, this is the typical mono red list, but two in this top eight. We see another Wynota deck in sixth. Uh, so that deck continuing to be around. And I definitely think, you know, it certainly has legs and has the power to be good. You know, you get to, and it's probably the best deck now that starts with eight elves. And for the first two months of Pioneer, starting your deck with Elvish Mystic and Landor Elves was one of the best things you could be doing. And since then, it really hasn't. Because they had to ban like six different Todd Anderson green cards. It did feel like he was getting a different card banned every week, right? Yeah, but they were all green. He just kept adapting the same deck until they finally banned enough of it that it wasn't good anymore. And we, the elf decks have sort of struggled. They've been mainly, you know, collect a company, put some giant, you know, five power creatures under the battlefield kind of decks. And now we see an elf deck that actually develops a lot of really powerful synergies without really sacrificing in terms of individual card power level. You know, Goblin Roundmaster, Legion Warboss, Elves, you know, plus Embercleave was a deck before. Now, instead of topping off with Embercleave, you just top out with Wynota. Play that third color. So, you know, other than that, you see a lot of the white, you know, Devotion deck. People are back to trying Karn the Great Creator in it, which I think was a, a big thing before Yorian. And actually, a, a, you know, a pretty successful one. So everybody just kind of reaching back into their time machine and uh, and borrowing from what people were doing right before Ikoria hit. Not really a huge impact from Ikoria, uh, you know, outside of, I guess, Wynota, and a little bit of Shark Typhoon we see in Control Decks, because that takes first place here, the second challenge. Really good uh, transition, by the way. Way better than the earlier transition. Good job. Yeah, you know, I, I, I try. You do have to make up for Corey daily on the on the show, so... <laughs> oh, Corey, Corey puts in work. I know, I'm just messing. He makes fun of me enough that I've got to get my zingers in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I, I understand. So... Uh, first place, a, a control deck. These decks did actually really well last week. Only the one finish here across two tournaments, uh, but definitely still making their presence known. This version is Azorius, really Planeswalker heavy, which is kind of interesting to me. I think, in my mind, you would rather be more counterspell heavy in a world of combo decks, uh, but they're having success just tapping out. You know, Narset is a good hate piece against Inverter and um, Breach, which is nice, and you do still have the four Supreme Verdict against Mono White, so maybe you really don't need counter spells. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, a lot of the Planeswalkers kind of act as hate, right? You know, yeah, you have like Gideon, Gideon well. Narset, Teferi, you know. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, you see Sinister Sabotage as the three mana counter spell of choice here, not Absorb. I think that is a heady choice in a much less aggro heavy metagame. Uh, though, if more Mono Red peaks up, then you know maybe we see that change. There is a Mono Red deck in the second top eight as well, in sixth place, uh, and you see a little bit of aggro in second too with a Phil, noted MTGO grinder Phil Helmuth. Phil Helmuth on MTGO, as he always says. Um, I'm actually a big fan of this deck. Um, the Mono you know, Black Vampires deck. Yeah, like I've always said that if I played uh, like a lot of Pioneer and Paper right now, I think I would play Mono Black. But I would also I would also play this version as well. And this is something that we talked about. Like I think Soren Imperious Bloodlord is still a really really powerful Magic card. 
Um, you pair it with, you know, ob- the obvious pairing of it with uh, which one is the champion? Cha- I'm going to say Dusk Legion. Zealot is champion of Dusk. Uh, you know, super powerful, <clears throat> super powerful uh, combo there. It's a deck that gets to run four Fatal Push, four Mutavolt, uh, four Thoughtseize. Like, those are some of the best cards in the format, period. And it's got a good quick clock. But this deck can also, like, play long games and it needs to against other creature decks. Has some instant life gain against the mono red decks. Has a good bit of removal. I don't know. It kind of feels like Jund to me. Where, like, you're probably just okay versus everything. You know? Um, yeah. No, it, it is it is kind of like a Jund deck. I, I agree there. But to me, when I'm thinking a metagame that's a lot of inverter and white aggro or white devotion and lotus breach, I just think to myself, I want to be more low to the ground and killing them. Maybe not against mono white specifically, um, but against the other two, I think I would rather be the the standard mono black aggro deck. And I'm actually I'm really excited for that deck post uh, core twenty one because I think. Demonic Embrace is very good, and certainly a much better fit for that version of the deck than this one. Uh, but this is the one that's putting up results. So, you know, the the results of events certainly argue against the, my feelings, but I do think this deck is good uh, and, you know, comparable, at the very least, to Mono Black. And I agree that Soren Imperious Bloodlord is just a really fucked up magic card. So uh, it appears for now that they have the upper hand in that eternal struggle between the two mono-black aggro decks. I think the, the one real interesting deck we see, basically across both tournaments, is this Hardened Scales deck in second place of the second one from Alex Fierro. Did you take a look at this one? Uh, what place was it again? Seventh. Seventh, okay. They're, yes. uh, they're on Scales deck, but they're not very artifact-heavy, like you typically see. Just Hangerback Walker and Walking Ballista. They are actually just getting really aggressive with four copies of Lotleth Troll... Ooh, and Slitherhead to combo two, with it? Yeah, two Slitherhead. So it, it, it also happens to meet the requirement for Lurus. So they play Lurus as a companion. Probably doesn't come up that often. You know, they're sideboarding all the Planeswalkers for matchups where they, I think, want to play better through removal. Uh, you know, three Nissa Voices Endicar, three Vivian Arpa Ranger. I love that, by the way. If you're going to companion, don't devote yourself entirely. Like, so, if you have good cyber cards that mean you have to sacrifice the companion, do that. Yeah, you just put the companion in your deck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you can do that too. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, th- this version is really low to the ground. Lot with Troll can sometimes just go off. Oh, yeah. Right? You discard two or three, uh, you know, creatures to it with one or two scales in play. It's attacking for 10, 12 trample damage. And that's, you know, you get that kind of fireball along with Walking Ballista as well. Uh, I will say the card I don't like in this deck is Hangerback Walker, which I think is just one of the most overrated cards in Pioneer in general. People remember how good it was in its standard environment, but it is so horrible against Teferi. And it generally, like, that just, that kind of, like, grind potential is not what Pioneer is about right now. And it, it interacts really poorly with exper- with uh, Experiment 1 and uh, Pelt Collector as well, where, like, they just don't curve naturally. So I would look for a replacement for that. Yeah, you also don't have a sack outlet in this deck yeah. as well. Yeah, sometimes you see, like, Evolutionary Leap in the more artifact-focused ones. But, like, Slitherhead is cute. That's a card I kept trying to play in uh, RTR Block Constructed in different aggro decks just to get, like, you know, that little burst damage. It was not good. But here, when you have all the scale synergies, you know, that burst damage becomes much more powerful. So I'm interested in seeing that here. Uh, But this is a neat take on the deck. 
Oh, absolutely. And I, I kind of like it. Um, I'm like thinking about like some of your nut draws where you go like hardened skills of one, Lala Troll on two, and then you just like untap, cast Widening Constrictor and attack. Like you could just deal, you could kill them. <laughs> like you could like actually almost kill them at that point. Right? If you pitch seven, if you have seven cards left, you pitch seven creatures. Well, you don't, you're not going to have seven cards left. You're right. going to have Six. four or five, depending upon if you're on the player draw. Right. So let's but say you're what if what if there are four slitherheads though, <laughs> or two? There's two. What if there are two slitherheads involved? That's a lot. Okay, you're the math guy. Yeah, you yeah. figure it out. I'll talk so a little more. That ends up being that ends up being six. So if that that'll be twenty. So yeah, if, if you you could kill on the play if you have two slitherheads, two other creatures, two lands, uh, hardened scales, lot withdrawal, winding constrictor, Sp splinter twin, esque, Ross. There you go. There you go. It's perfect. Um, Maybe we should play more Slitherheads for more combo potential. I don't know. I'm just asking. But I mean, I think maybe we should. I just want to really lower the curve. I kind of want to play Servant of the Scale. Over these Hangerback Walkers is what you're saying? Yeah. I, I want to, you know, if you're if we're going to go this route. Well, let's go all in. be low to the ground, yeah. let's commit. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I want to take it even further um, and, and and go hard. Yeah. Sideboard your Nisses and Vivians. Bring those in at, when the, your opponent has a lot of interaction. But... It's not like serving the scale is even like that bad against interaction. Yeah, Hangerback Walker is better, but yeah, I think Hangerback Walker is better in probably like the matchup that has Supreme Verdict in it, and then that matchup they probably have Teferi. Like and then, like Seal Away, if you ever try to attack with it. Yeah, they have so many ways to answer. Yeah, I, I'm I'm all in on this. Let's just let's play this deck. Take out Hangerback Walker. Look, this is what you're streaming next time, Ross. All right, <laughs> get on it. I will say that I I had an just a, an idea for a deck the other week. And I played a random league with it one night when I had a little bit of time. You know, it's like 10 p.m. Nights wind it down. I'm like, okay, I'll get a league in before bed. And I, I 3 2 my league, and I think I got pretty unlucky. I, I both got unlucky and made a mistake that put me in position to get unlucky in one of the games in the match I lost. So I could have been going to game three to maybe 4-1. And this is, you know, the first build of the deck. It was, it was an Azorius flying aggro deck. Okay, so you know, like all these, there's, you know, they really just pushed this kind of skies theme in yeah. Azorius for the last like two years. Yeah, seems like every set has some cards that go for it. Imperial Angel or uh, whatever it's called. Safara is the big angel. The no, 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 I'm, I'm talking about. Oh, Imperial, I, I, I said Imperial it Eagle. I'm talking about the um, two three for three that pumps. Yeah, that's Imperial Fly. Eagle, the one that's in Spirits. Yeah. Uh, there's like the, the recent two mana one that gets bigger for every flyer you have and makes flyers. That card's sweet, by the way. I like the card. Yeah, that one was in my deck, which is why I can't remember its name. <laughs> but my and then you have you have favorable wins you have rally of wings or something whatever that gives your flyers plus two plus two and untaps all yeah i remember that one. it's the white instant yeah 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 and you know a bunch of just one mana cheap flyers so i was like what if i just like put all of these in a deck but i also played venerated loxodon because that card's messed up and you have fairy like guide mother that can jump the venerated loxodon so it makes it a flyer which is kind of cute um but the, my thought was in order to make all of your payoffs like that much stronger, right? In order to get down Safara faster, Venerate Loxodon faster, and just spread the battlefield wide with flyers to make the anthem effects better, what if I just play four Ornithopter? Okay. Like I, you know, like I'm playing Affinity, but instead of being a cheap artifact, a zero mana artifact creature, it's just a zero mana flying creature in a deck that wants to play a ton of flying creatures, right? And I, you know, I was right. I think it makes the deck much better. And that, like, I think the deck is, you know, I've only played five matches with it, but I think the deck is, you know, sort of that F&M quality. Like, if you brought it to an F&M, it wouldn't be embarrassing to do so. 
whereas you might think it would be. But I did, you know, mulligan to six and turn two of Anorate Deloxodon against somebody with two Ornithopters, and it was just messed up. Like, if the deck has some... The deck's high-end draws are really good. So it's high-end low-end draws yeah. are still very bad. Yeah. And its mana base is atrocious because it's a friendly colored aggro deck. Yeah. Uh, Can we get that fixed, please? We've been asking for this since the start of the format. Anyway, um, when yeah. I was, I, the entire time I was listening to you talk about this deck, I had two th- phrases come into my mind. It sounds awful, and I love it. Which is usually the way I am about bad aggro decks in, yeah. in Magic. And I will tell you, you're close to reality. In reality, you should love it, as I do, and it's mediocre. Yeah, you know, that's what I mean by awful. It just sounds heavily mediocre. Oh, no, it sounds and, awful, yeah. but it was, it was uh, aggressively mediocre mm-hmm. in more ways than one. But it was, it was cool. Sounds like you. <laughs> aggressively mediocre? No, I'm just joking. Yeah, it does sound like me. I'm just joking. Uh, I love you, Ross. But, um, yeah, overall, uh, you know, the decks were kind of come to know and love. And this kind of brings us into our next segment, right? Like, what we wanted to talk about, the, the main theme of what's going on and what we want to talk about on the show today. And it has to do with kind of the results today. And we kind of titled this section The Problem with Pioneer because uh, we didn't know how else to phrase this. And the way we're going to put this, it's going to be kind of long-winded because, A, it's a, it's our show and that's what we're going to do, so screw you. This is a multifaceted question. There's a yeah. lot of different elements right. that play into this. But, you know, I've, I've seen that like a lot of people are having a problem with the format recently because, you know, I was actually the talking to Todd Anderson. taking a lot of flack on Twitter. Yeah, it's exactly. a lot of guff. Yeah. Uh, I actually talked to Todd Anderson today. He and I were playing Warzone with a, with a scooter. By the way, if Scooter, if you're listening, congratulations on your top four of the SCG event over the weekend. Good job. Um, that was last weekend? It was like five days ago. You played in it. <laughs> Feels like like that was two weeks ago or something. Yeah, that's that's 2020, buddy. Get, get used to it. Um, with a completely stacked top four, by the way. Just completely yeah, stacked event. Anyway. It already had Scooter. That's all you need. Yeah, you already had Scooter. Exactly. Um, Everybody else is irrelevant. But no, a lot of people are talking about and there's There's a few things to it, right? Like, um, first, let's talk about what we're talking about here, the results. And Todd was talking about today, he goes, the problem that he has with the format right now is like, there's just a couple combo decks, right? And like, that's pretty much it. And I get what he's saying. Like, there, there's Inverter, there's mo- the Mono White or whatever color, whatever Heliod deck, and there's Breach. And he's like, and they just all kill you on like four or five. And they have interaction for the aggro deck. So it's like so hard to be an aggro deck because there's like one fatal push just like does enough to get them there, you know, or whatever and stuff. And I get that. That can be that can be annoying. And like maybe we should have fixed some of these decks by now. Yeah. Well, I agree that that's point one. The metagame is stale. Right. You know, these decks that are at the top are the decks that are do that are doing well. They're basically the only decks. You know, if if we take out the month of companions, or two months it was, of companions, it, was it only a month? Good lord, I think it, it felt it was like two a year. I think it was like a, two months. It, it felt so much like a year. Um. So if we <coughs> Excuse me. If we take that out and uh, we just look at the format from Theros Beyond Death and afterwards, because that was when the players' tours happened. That was when the pros got their hands on the, on the format. Before then, you know, it was this brewer's paradise where bands were happening every week and the format was awesome all the time and everybody loved it. Pioneer was Magic's darling, right? Uh, everybody forgot that Arena existed and was only playing Pioneer and. You know, having a gale time. You saw a huge, and, huge increase in influx of players into Magic Online. Yeah. And since then, 
everybody has just been really down on the format. And it, it really has been largely due to these decks. And it's impossible to know, and I, I'm kind of disappointed that the two things aligned, the one, the player stores happening right when the, the Theros Beyond Death was released. You know, that's how they tend to happen, but uh, it's it would have been so much more interesting to see what the pros did with the format as it had existed, right? But as it is, every single deck that has been dominant since the you know since that time has been either a companion deck with a Coria or using a key overpowered card from Theros Beyond Death. You know, even like Orzov Auras was powered by a bunch of Theros Beyond Death cards. Sultan Delirium is, is an Uro deck. And then there's all the combos enabled by Thassa's Oracle, Heliod's Uncrowned, and Underworld Breach. So, you know, the, the entire metagame has been overturned by these really powerful cards. And it's largely due, in, I think, in part to the fact that the really powerful cards from Corset 20 and Throne of Eldraine are banned. And these ones aren't. So when we have have had this year of incredibly powerful cards, and half of them are banned, the other half now dominate. So we have this stale metagame that exists, um, and you know, it would have been nice to see a little bit more impact from Ikoria outside of the companions, but we really haven't seen that, and we haven't seen, um, you know, we haven't seen any impacts from cards that aren't just straight up build arounds. Right, it's not a card that creates that is a synergy piece in an existing shell that like you know pushes them over the top. Like inverter, just I guess it did exist, but would it have been playable without Thassa's Oracle? Like probably not. If you absolutely needed to have Jace, it would have just been too fragile. And obviously, like Mono White Devotion wouldn't exist without that combo. Uh, you know, Heliod is you know one of the best cards in the deck, even outside of the interaction with Walking Ballista. And there's absolutely no way that Sultai Delir like. Sultai, I guess, like, won the first challenge from Pioneer, but those decks, you know, quickly got bad. But once they had this incredibly powerful card in Uro, you know, suddenly they're good again. You know, it won, I don't think it any won of a these decks... Tour, you know, in the hands of the old Arson. Yeah, I don't think any of these decks exist without the, their, you know, namesake cards in anywhere close to the uh, power level that they do. And obviously, like, Breach can't. I guess there was a, there was a Lotus Field deck before Breach, but it just wasn't good. <laughs> right, it was not not anywhere near as good, and yeah. it, you know, you and I talked about this a little bit today. You know, leading up to our stuff for the show, we talked about this like it kind of feels like standard, right? Right, like it feels like almost like standard plus, but almost like standard light because like you're just seeing the same things, right? You're, like you're seeing like the few powerful decks just stay there, and like in the past we've seen decks where like you know it's been like a rotating format. I don't mean the the sets are rotating. I mean like. You know, this will be the best deck for a little while, and then like something will come up to beat it, but then like that makes this deck good again, et cetera, et cetera. But here we're just seeing like the same decks. Yeah, and to me, like that means that action needs to be taken. And I was kind of against bans same. when this first happened of uh, three months ago, when all of this this talk was going on. You know, but at this point, Inverter to me feels like Splinter Twin in Modern, right? You. It's this incredibly powerful combo, and you have to be ready for it to kill you early. But it doesn't actually kill you on turn five that often. Just like Twin didn't really kill you on turn four that often. Right. It could if it needed to, if you're you know a linear combo deck with no interaction, and it was you know often their best way of beating those decks, and one of the reasons they're good in those kinds of matchups because they get to pair that with a bunch of disruption because their combo is so lean. But 
They can also just win this incredibly long game. And it's so hard to try to play that game against a deck with a combo kill because you always have to play with the threat of the game ending immediately. Yeah. It's it's not like when you make it, it look, you know, it's not like when you make a mistake, they get to land a key planeswalker. Now you're in a hole. Like when you make ceiling. a mistake against them, and it, maybe not even a mistake, but a incorrect a judgment call. The game just ends. Yeah, it's like the, it was like the Sahili Rai deck in Standard while it was while it was legal with yeah. Dark Guardian. Like I remember because you know my a lot of my interaction with Standard at that time would be watching Brennan play it in our team opens, and he would just look at us and do the shrug and like make a play on turn three that like puts him in a decent position in the game. But he's like, you just have to cross your fingers and hope they don't kill you. Well, like oh, they, yeah. just they just don't have it on the next turn because he's like. If you play in fear of it the whole game, then you're going to lose that game as well. So make them have it and put yourself in a position to win the game. But, like, all of them are different in Pioneer in the way that they do it. And, like, there's not ubiquitous hate cards all the time. Like, you have to kind of shift around it. Yeah, they all kind of form a triumvirate to, like, stop you from having a deck that can break through. Yeah. Because you're going to get absolutely slaughtered by one of them. Yeah. You're exactly. either, like, you know, the, the white deck is very good at, like, you know, applying pressure to its opponent if they need to do that or playing defense with blockers. You know, that, and like, you need removal against them. Where a spot removal is heinous against Inverter or... Breach. Um, breach against, you know, Inver Inverter and Breach sort of require different counter spells. Uh, you know, Mystical Dispute is way better against Inverter. Disdainful Circle is, like, kind of good against both of them, which is why you see a little bit of it. But you can't overload on counter spells against Inverter because they have a bunch of discard. It, it you know, it is really hard to beat all three of them obviously like if somebody could do it that deck would be amazing um but the, the fact that we have three different combo decks that all require very different approaches to beat is a problem yeah and there's another aspect to this that you and i talked about and this is the one that's like big in my mind is i think one of the problems with pioneer right now is there's just not really a reason to play right like yeah, we had these challenges on the weekend, but they took away the super PTQs, right? They took away some of the other big events that Pioneers and you're not seeing on the Players Tour anymore because the Players Tour can't happen on Magic Online. It can only happen on Arena, and Pioneer's not there yet, right? So now you're seeing, like, this huge kick-up for Historic, and people are super interested in that and want to play that format, which that's a whole other conversation because I got to tell you, a couple months ago, they did not think they were going to be playing a Historic Pro Tour and having 400 cards get added to it in one day when this jumpstart set comes out. Because it's literally adding like 400 cards to freaking Historic in like one day. And like all of a sudden, yeah, we're playing this in a, in a Pro Tour format. I love that idea. And I hope that it happens. I don't know the dates, but I hope that it happens relatively soon after that. So people just kind of have to figure it out. Because I'm sick and tired of watching these players tours with super stale formats and no limited. I know nobody likes to watch limited. I like limited, but like whatever. But you get Watching saying, like, Limited still is rough because, like, you have no idea what the table is like. Like, there's so much information that the players have that you don't as viewers. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, yeah. I, I think Limited is really bad for... I, I think it should be all constructed. I really do. I, yeah. I think for pure viewers, it should all be... But don't give us super stale formats. Like, we just had a player's tour, right? And look, congratulations to everyone who did well. I'm not trying to diminish your accomplishment. That's not what I'm saying. That format is old. Like, so old. We have so much information on it, right? Yeah, I'm just sick I, of it. Uh, I... Could not have cared less. A cool, uh, I'll tell you this, a really cool deck debuted at that event, and it's good for exactly that event, right? And it was like, okay. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it put a couple people, it put one person, like three or four people played it, it put one person in top eight, one person just missed top eight, and they had to play each other. 
Yeah. Its overall win percentage was really good. But it was also, you know, four Hall of Fame caliber players. Exactly. Well, the, yeah, a I couple of them... Three did, of them are in the Hall of Fame, and one of them is knocking on the door. Yeah, like... The, the Orion Rat deck is what we're talking about in Standard here. And I, I, played, look, I actually played my first games of Standard today, which is funny because the new set comes out tomorrow and, like, the whole format changes. But I was like, you know, F it. I wanted to play this deck. I wanted to try it out. Uh, you know, I like I like Efro. I like I like all these people. I want to try it out. I lost a lot. <laughs> that format's bad. But, <clears throat> you know, it was fun. It was fun to do something different because that's one of the main reasons I, I shied away from Standard right now and, like, one of the reasons why I'm not physically playing a lot of pioneers like it's just the same stuff over and over again i want something different i want something to change right <clears throat> and i i think we need that and the problem is, is like i don't see it happening too much right now without some kind of change like you said like i'm not super in for bands but if that's what has to happen like let's do that well, i'm supportive of bands now I, th- yeah. I think i think you can just ban inverter and see what happens from there okay i i like that idea um I think ban the card inverter of truth yeah, and and see what happens. That that's what I I would support. But I'm with you. Like I don't expect it to come. Yeah, and that part of it is Watsy's focus isn't at all on Pioneer and MPGL right now. Yep. I think they used Super Qualifiers as a stopgap measure when COVID hit, and it was like, okay, we got to get people playing online because they're not playing in person. You know, let's throw all of these extra tournaments at them, and that, that bought them time to set up the online pro tours, players tours. And now that that's set up, their focus is on, you know, iterating that and making sure the next round of it is better than the first round. And so they've gotten rid of the super PTQs on MTGO and they're kind of leaving that by the wayside. And now they've got to focus on historic and make sure that format is good. So their focus is going to be on standard and historic because that's where the players tour is going to be. So Pioneer is just being left in the lurch, even though, you know, the, the format's only been around for eight months. Exactly. So that's the point I'm trying to make here is I'm in for bands. I'm in for possibly having a conversation about unbanning something as well, which is something I think we can and should do possibly at some point because <clears throat> the format's so new and whatever. We've, we're, we've seen that unbannings do not run things so far. You know, Modern is a good litmus test for that. Um, but there's no reason... It, it kind of brings me back to the point. There's no reason to do any of this because there's 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 no Pioneer being played. Like, people are playing it casually on Magic Online. People are playing it, I assume, at some LGSs. Mine just shut down again. A player tested positive for COVID-19. They're like, all right, nobody nobody's coming in for a while. You know, the, the guy actually turned in a ton, a ton of cards, too. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, obviously, like, surprise, surprise. I mean, it was. I haven't set foot in the store other than I go in... Uh, I whenever, like I'll go in to buy uh, some of the new stuff to, to help support the store. I'm gonna go in the moment it opens, grab my stuff and leave. I'm not gonna touch anything. I'm wearing a mask, like everything. Blah blah blah. Um, I might even call them and be like, "Hey, just bring it out to my car." You know, kind of like curbside stuff, right? But there's no reason for Watsy to even step in. There, there's not gonna be a public enough public outcry. Like there's nothing because we're not playing events because it's not on arena and arena is what matters them right now because arena is making them money. Right. And, and think about why Pioneer exists as a format at all. It's because Modern was getting too big, just like Modern was made as a format when Extended got went to shit, and Extended was made as a format when there was too big of a gap between Type 2 and Type 1, so they needed Type 1.X. And, you know, all this happens when there's this big gap of cards that aren't getting used and aren't getting bought, and Watsi wants to encourage, you know, and, and re-stimulate that part of the economy, even though they're not going to ever, you know talk about how they care about the the secondary market and so pioneer gets created and you know their focus is on it it's new everybody loves it 
and it, it got, you know, competitive focus super quickly, which was awesome. And, it, you know, right when it starts to get stale is when COVID hits and suddenly there is no paper magic being you know, played. And that means there's no real reason for Pioneer to exist. And like I said this point to you earlier, and I want to make sure that I make it on the show. It, it would be the other way around right now if COVID hadn't happened. Like, let's say we're still playing Grand Prix, right? We're still playing SCG Opens. We're still playing Players Tours in person. They would yeah. be standard, and it would be Pioneer, and it would be modern. And those would be the formats you paid, and people would be like, LOL, historic, right? Yeah, it and was, bands would have happened. It would just and, be Jeff you know. Hoogland playing historic on his stream. That's it. Like, that would be <laughs> the entire historic format, right? And the few thousand people that watch him, because he has a great stream, great streamer, you know, one of the biggest MTG streamers. Nothing is a joke. Je Jeff and I are friends. Nothing is a joke to him. I, I like Jeff. But you get what I'm saying. Like, it would just be the opposite end, and you'd be like, like historic's not a thing. And now I hear people talking about historic that I'm just like, wait, what? Like, this wasn't a thing like two weeks ago. Like, I know, obviously, you know what I mean? Just yeah, as a joke. I mean, it, it's just people starting to look into it because they have some reason to. I've looked into it. Yeah. And, you know, this happens every time there's an unexplored format because unexplored formats are just fun. Like, that, yes. that's just a fact of magic that we yes. all have to understand. That's why Pioneer was super fun in November. <clears throat> it was unexplored. You could do reasonably well with decks that objectively were not very good. Because it was going to take a while for the tune decks to emerge and for us to realize that your deck was not very good, right? And, you know, as it turned out, you know, one of my pet decks in in Pioneer, Is It and Soul, has been a tier two deck, basically. But, you know, when I first picked it up and the format was kind of new and people were playing a lot of bad decks, I was crushing everybody with it. Because it was a pretty easy tier two deck to build. I still think the deck is perfectly fine. You, know, you see it pop up, um, you know, but it's a tier two deck, Right. And that's just how unexplored formats work. People loved Legacy in 2011 when it first hit the SCG Tour because it was relatively unexplored. People have enjoyed Modern at d different times because it was relatively unexplored. You know, and the same thing with Pioneer and now the same thing with Historic. And I'm sure they're going to hate Historic in two months. You know, uh, you mentioned it earlier when you brought up all the formats and you mentioned Extended. And it made me think about my personal experience of every format. And thinking about my like overall career of magic and it's like i've been relatively successful in like modern relatively successful in standard at times i've done well in limited pretty much my entire life and let's not even get into my record when it comes to legacy like it's probably where i've seen the you know a bulk of my success is a lot of what i'm known for it's, it's a joke a lot of people see me as a tron guy and i'm like i have four times as many top eights with legacy decks as i do with 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 modern decks but like whatever anyway here and over there I never won that much at extended. Like I had a good event here or there. In, in fact, one of the one of the best extended events I ever did. And I played Tron, but this is like extended Tron. Where like, you, do you know do you know how I won the game with those decks? There was there was no green in my deck for one. Oh, but the only Tron deck I remember in extended was the Simic Tron deck that Mindslaver locked people and had moments piece. Okay, so there was the Simic version or the blue white version, right? And I played a lot of the blue white version where you had Decree of Justice. And you had the Mind Slaver lock with Academy Ruins. Those were how you won the game, right? Were you were you doing similar things to the? I, I this was I guess I don't know if those these would ever have been legal and extended at the same time. I don't think they ever were because I remember Azorius Tron being a, kind of a thing in the very early days of Modern. I think LSV might have top eighted a Grand Prix with it, but the one of the things that that, that deck did was like turn to Azorius Signet. And then if it, you had natural Tron, you could make uh, five, you could make eight mana 
and it was you'd have six colorless, a blue and a white, and you would use three and a blue to cast gifts and given, and use it as a double entomb, and entomb unburial rites and some big creature, and just unburial rites it with a three and a white. You didn't get to do that. I remember that deck. We did not do that. Um, this deck was a little bit more powerful, quote unquote. Like he had like more powerful cards. Uh, I don't remember the deck literally, you know, card for card because this is easily ten years ago. Probably had four condescends in it. Yeah, you had four condescends. You had factor fiction. In Probably fact, thirst for knowledges. Yeah, thir- well, obviously thirst for knowledge. That card was absurd. Um, so I think some, I think you had remand at some points. You know, like just as yeah, more, yeah, just on yeah more ways to get through because you you didn't really had you didn't really have a lot of ways to find Tron. You just did it naturally by churning through your deck. Yeah, it's kind of like mono blue Tron. Yeah, so I it's get- a lot like mono blue Tron. Um, one of the cooler things, I do remember some very distinct moments of playing with the deck. One of the funnier moments I ever did was, so I mind-slavered my opponent once, right? I didn't have a lock yet, but when you mind-slaver your opponent, you generally get to mess their stuff up, right? You know, because yeah. their decks are also powerful. So, you know, he untaps, shows me his hand. I'm, like, going through the motions, and we're doing some stuff, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do something at the end of your turn from my side. And he's like, okay. So I'm like, I'm going to cast Factor Fiction. He's like, cool. And so I, just, I reveal the five cards to him or whatever. He's looking at them. He writes them down real quick or whatever. And um, he just looks at him, picks them up, and he starts, like, moving them around. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing, like, what are you, what are you doing? And he's like, he's like, uh, oh, this one's really, because it was five spells, right? It's like the dreaded factor fiction. It's, like, not easy. And he's like, oh, this one's hard. I'm trying to figure out how to split. I'm like, dude, I'm just going to take all five. And he's like, Oh, LOL, or whatever. And he like, does it. And he goes, all right, here's your piles. And he's like, a three and a two. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to take all five. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm, I'm controlling you. You're under mind slavery. And he's like, oh, shit, why did you say something? I'm like, I just give him that look. Like, <laughs> I, give, him, I, give him a little wink. I, I did. You know, like, thankfully, it wasn't a time limit. You know, it wasn't a time thing yeah, we were worried about. But I was just like, dude, like, <laughs> you're like come on. And uh, so that was really fun. Because I did it, uh, I did it like really jokingly. Like, all five cards got revealed. And I was like, Five and he's like, oh, that's a good fact fiction. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm keeping all five of these. Like, I just said it just like that or whatever. And he's like, yeah, LOL, like, picks them up, starts, like, going through them. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You know? So I I miss those days. I remember, distinctly remember losing uh, to a deck in the in one of the top eights where on the play, they went, uh, like, fetch land, dual land, crow mox, imprint a card, dwarven blast miner, go. And they knew I was playing Tron. I'm just like, I just like dr- like play my land for turn. I'm like, let's see if you have a third mana source. They played a third mana. So I'm like, yep, just pick my cards up. <laughs> it's like I'm done. For those of you who don't know, Dwarven Dwarf Bestbinder is a creature that literally has on it. Uh, you can pay three mana. It's like two and a red. Tap a red it. For one one. Two and a red. Tap. Destroy target on basic land. Yeah. And it has morph for some amount of. I think it's just a general morph. I think it's three. I'm not 100 percent on that or whatever. But well, I don't I don't know what the unflip. Yeah. I just remember I was just like just dead on turn one. They're just like Dwarven Blastbinder go, and I'm like. I am dead. <laughs> Expanded had some fun decks. Like I, I liked the aggro rock decks that played like Cabal Therapy. Some of them were like playing Chromox, just trying to go like turn two troll aesthetic, turn three GTA equip. Yeah, my my buddy um, that was in like this this guy named Chester was in our our group that I played with that like is responsible for getting me much better at Magic. He was one of the better players I've ever played with. Just a great mind to the game. Really good at building decks to beat what was going on. He just, you know, didn't stick to magic very long, but he ended up winning a PTQ of one of these decks where it was a deck like that. It was like aggro rock with like chrome moxes and stuff. And it had like duresses and cabal therapies. And because this card was so ahead of its time, like watch wolf was one of the big uh, threats. Cause you just turn one, a watch wolf. It's a three, three on, on turn one. And the deck just played vindicates. So he just like ripped your hand apart with like 
you could just like, you know, turn to a watch wolf, they would do something, you'd be like, LD you, you know, like destroy your land or whatever. And it's running Bob and stuff, of course. Yeah, we're, we're so used to having a lightning bolt around in any non-standard format. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess like Pioneer is now kind of an exception, but like in modern, you know, Bolt is one of the staples of the format, but it was never an extended. Was it? Was that card I mean, really not extended? I can't remember. Not, not once like the original stuff. Like right. event originally extended included a lot of stuff. It went back to revise. I remember Firebolt being a big card in extended because I played I played yeah, Red Deck Wins I, quite I, a bit. You know, a lot yeah, of so Grim Lava Mancer. Lava Dart. Yeah. Uh, you know, ex- extended rotated. So at one point, way back in the day, extended had Lightning Bolt, but there was a, a long period where it didn't. And that was probably one of these times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, my entire time playing extended, there was never any lightning bolt. So, you know that that was you know, I, it was a huge deal when the card got reprinted. Like it was just a you know seismic shift. And red decks were really good in standard for two years because lightning bolt was messed up. But <laughs> so, uh, sorry, sorry for the, the the trademark tangent there. But God, I I, I don't even remember what uh, what we were talking about. Like we were talking about the problems oh, of- because they are yeah. There's no paper events, and that's why uh, Pioneer exists to you know make paper cards relevant. Yeah, that right. No like, relevant, and right? I, I hope that this this format stays around, right? For for obvious reasons, like we have our show, we would have to start deviating more into into modern standard. I, I think we could do it. I think the show could survive. You know, we could just talk about magic in general. You know, we wouldn't have our, our focus focus. But I it beyond that selfish reason, like I think Pioneer is just good for the average magic player who wants to have paper cards because it keeps some value to your stuff from standard. Because that's always been the biggest problem of people getting into magic who like. They're like, wait a minute. So I'm going to need four copies of these cards to play them in standard. And then when the rotation happens, they're just worth nothing, right? So you see people gravitate towards Commander where they're like, I just need one copy of the card. You know, this I can have multiple decks. It's it's real cool. The games are always slightly different. You know, blah, 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 like those reasons. And my cards don't rotate. And my cards generally don't get banned. You know, like we see some bannings that form up and on many, but this helps like m- mitigate some of that problem, right? Like, I remember when Brawl first got announced, I thought it was awesome. I was actually working part-time in an LGS, like, just on the, just so I had something to do on the side. You know, it was like, I was still yeah. doing, like, poker and magic stuff. I just wanted something to do. We, we played Brawl on Versus Live, or I guess Ver- this is before it was live, but on Versus. And I thought it was really cool because it solved a problem that I thought people had where you see, it, I thought it solved the problem of, A, like, just rares and rares and or mythics that just aren't worth anything out of standard packs because like that's actually kind of bad like you know right like you buy a box and generally in your box you get three to five mythics right and sometimes you could or you could open them and they're just like the mythics that aren't good right and they're just not worth anything but like yeah the ones that cost six or more mana yeah but like they were playable in brawl right like they were decent enough in brawl and like or like they're they're playable in command like there's there's a lot of cards that were like you know what is it something something the dusk rose or it was like a black white commander card that got printed in um Ixalan or whatever and like the dinosaur set or whatever and it was never played in standard but the card was just like $15 like 10 or 15 bucks out of the packs because it's it's a commander card right and I was like Brawl had the opportunity of like doing that to some of your cards like keeping some value in the packs like obviously the cards are going to rotate out of Brawl at some point but it made the average pack worth a little bit more which I thought was good for the consumer you know and Brawl ended up not really taking off it's coming back a little bit because of Arena it's like, no, but I, I can't tell you if I, I can't tell you the last time I saw a paper brawl game happen. It's been years, you know, and stuff like that. So I think keeping Pioneer relevant and keeping Pioneer around is actually in the best interest of the players. I also think Pioneer is great because it's a an older format where things are more powerful, but one without fetch lands. And I think it, 
it was I've been you know yelling at the top of my lungs that fetch lands are the problem and one of the you know the worst developed cards in the history of Magic, at least from yeah. You know, the, we you can talk about the mistakes they made, in, you know, and the super like the power nine, but like those cards were were intentionally like overpowered because of the way they envisioned the game working. You know, they envisioned that they never envisioned Magic getting as big as it was, uh, and like you know, I guess so. Like outside of like Urza Block, the fetch lands are just the worst developed cards in the history of Magic, and they've ruined you know so many other cards and have warped every format that they exist in since they existed, uh, you know, and it was so interesting. And we were, I, this was like my number one thing. If you go back to episode one of why I was hyped for pioneer yep. was mm-hmm. to play a format without fetch lands. And I think the gameplay is fun because it feels like a really, really powerful standard environment. And it, it continued to feel like that the entire time, you know, some, some decks were overpowered cards got banned that first, you know, what, three, three month period, I'd say like November, December, January, you know, before Theros Beyond Death, ever everything felt like that, and you know, thing things were dynamic in part because of the bands and people figuring everything out. Uh, but even towards the end, you know, it was you know interactive, fun magic, and we have that to some extent now. But the threat of all these combos really kind of ruined that, uh, and it is why the the format is stale. So, I would love to see us move beyond that point. I don't really expect it to because I I do think Pioneer is just being you know, sort of left out to dry. And I don't really understand anything of what Watsi is doing. I, I like, I, I get that like COVID is, I think COVID just like ruined everything. Real quick, I want to interrupt you. You said you don't really understand what Watsi's doing. Are you talking in general statements here or just specifically to Pioneer? Because I think it could also just be a general statement too. It, it, oh, it, I'm speaking in general, uh, but also, you know, sort of both, but mostly sorry, in general. Sorry, I had to make the joke. And I don't want to say... COVID ruined everything, but COVID you know, created this completely unprecedented world that we are now living in and dealing with that they've had to, I think they've been playing catch up the entire time since it hit, mm-hmm. you know, oh, like, for like sure. the, the super qualifiers were their patchwork solution before they could get something up on arena. But it was already kind of weird to me when pioneer was released because it, it felt like pioneer was something that they could eventually add to arena. And I guess that's their plan. Right, that they've announced that, but they haven't really announced any concrete steps towards that. But maybe you know that's been had to be put on hold because of, of dealing with COVID related issues. Um, but you know when Arena was released, what like two years ago now, a year and a half ago. It, it's um, I feel like it's been longer than two years, but I was in like pretty early on the program. Like maybe I think got, it was just a year a year and a half ago. I think it was the like the year before Pioneer. The, right, the, it was like, like that fall was when Arena. Was it beta and stuff? Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I was in it on the beta, so, like, I've been in it since, like, the... You know, I had cards... Like, my account reset at one point. Yeah, know? when they got rid of, like, the Amonkhet cards. Yeah, and so, um, it's interesting to me, because, like, I can't really do time, like, correctly that way. You get what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Sure, yeah. yeah. You can't measure time that way. Yeah, so... Um, when when Arena got released, yeah. it seemed like every th- it was a seismic shift. And Magic was trying to become eSport. Everything was going to shift to Arena... And Moto was going to die, and you know there were a lot of different you know effects that you know reflected that because that was a you know a broad feeling within the Magic community, and I think a well-founded one. And it you know everybody loved Arena when it first launched. I heard basically nothing but good things. And then like six months later, you started to hear like some problems with it and technical issues because it's Watsi. What do you expect? And you know people kind of soured on it a bit, 
And then Pioneer got released and everybody went high on Pioneer and started playing more Moto. And it felt like, you know, Watsi, what are you doing? Like, why do you, like, if you're going to make Pioneer, why don't you set up so that it could be on Arena immediately? You say your long-term plan is that, but like, for some reason you needed Pioneer right now and you couldn't put the work in to get the cards onto Arena, which doesn't seem that hard. You know, I get it's like seven years of sets, but really like, how hard is that? How hard is that to do? It, I don't... I, I have this problem when it comes to this, and it always leads me to this thing like, we know everything except to a fact that the different branches of Watsi do not talk to each other. Right? Yeah, and I have to believe... no way they can. I have to believe it's multiple branches have to come together for this, and they just cannot get this in them in the same room at the same time. Or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what it is, right? And they said, yeah, but by the end of the year, we'll have Pioneer on one arena. I, I, I don't know if I see that happening, but I would, I think it would, you know, fix what's a lot of what's wrong in the format. I think it would, fi- I think it would just fix everything that's wrong in the format now that you're talking about this, right? Because yeah. like, I, I, it would at least force them to fix what's wrong. That's format, yeah, that's what right? I mean. It, it would you fix, know, you know, just putting it on arena obviously doesn't fix anything, but then it puts so much spotlight more into the exactly. format. Exactly. It lets people want to run tournaments of it, and it says, okay, now we've got to make the meta game better. And, you know, these bans happen and we see, you know, maybe the metagame still sucks even after this. But I, I you know, I do think part of it is the lack of the, the imbalance in mana fixing. You know, that, you know, the reason that I, I think we would, if we had more variety among aggressive decks, it would be harder for these reactive decks to consistently do well. And we don't really, the only aggressive decks we see doing well are mono red and mono black and a little isn't soul. Right. Like I would love to see multi- like I just want to see multicolor aggressive decks, and they, they just for some reason don't want to allow that. I guess, uh, but you know, uh, I guess that, that's not my decision. So there, I, I and I'm like, do they see this? Are they just ignoring Pioneer entirely? I don't know. I don't think they know. Yeah, because I, I agree with you. I think, you know, pushing to get Pioneer onto Arena instead of just focusing on Standard and Historic would then, you know, create this incentive to make the metagame better and would allow Pioneer to develop its fan base further during this time period where people aren't playing paper and would probably create a significant demand for paper cards once these events do start firing again. Whether that's next year or maybe the year after, who the fuck knows at this point. You know, so like, it just feels to me like they're not looking long term at all. And that's been a, a complaint I've heard, you know, from other people about a, a ton of different decisions that Watsi has made. That it feels like they're starting to look a lot more short term. And that, that's unnerving because it means that, you know, things can change on a whim. You're never really on stable ground with anything. Uh, you know, have we learned nothing from the organized play over the last what yeah. eight years? It feels like it changes every six months, and and yeah, and right now Pioneer is getting the brunt end of it. Whereas it felt like Arena was getting it last year, and you know maybe something else gets, maybe Historic gets fucked over in December. You know, you, you just never know. Yeah, but, like, like Pioneer finally makes it onto Arena in December, and they're like, all right, no more Historic on the players' tours. Now it's just Standard and Pioneer, and you're like, well, yeah, and Inverter and Underworld Breach and Walking Blister all banned, and everyone's like, yeah, let's go, you know, and then then there's seven thousand, you know. Uh, Pioneer yeah. events, and, and they're gonna do this right after they release like their fourth or fifth historic anthology. People spend a bunch of money on it on Arena. Yeah, like because here's here's the thing. You've I think you've heard me talk about this. I'm Arena rich right now. Like 
I have like, because y- you could kind of finally understand this since you got on Arena recently. I have like 150 rare wild cards. I have like 90 mythic rare wild cards. The common and uncommon ones don't matter. Those are in like the thousand range. And then, you know, do you know what the vault is? So every time you open a card that's like, let's say you have four of a card and you open another one or whatever. And every time like you open packs and stuff, a little process goes into the vault, right? So it's like you getting something for uh, redundancy within the game, right? I'm not explaining this 100% perfectly, but... You don't just get wild cards to replace those? So, so what happens is when the vault reaches 100%, you can open the vault and it gives you, I think it's like two mythic, four rare wild cards and like some uncommon. You know what I'm saying? It just gives you wild cards, right? Or whatever. I just have like 800% on a on the vault right now. I can just open it. How, like, how do I check my vault? Uh, you can't see the process of it until it reaches 100%, but that's why I don't open them. So I can just keep seeing the pro- the process. Okay. So it's weird. So I'm just at like 800 or 900% on a vault. So I can just open it a billion times if I need more, more cards, right? And like tomorrow, like, you know, M21 comes out. I can just have the whole set if I want to. Like if I really just want to, but I'm just going to draft it a ton. Like I... I, I was going to talk about this at the end of the show. I'm going to talk about it a little bit here. Um, it's Wednesday right now, so they probably won't hear this until Friday, but I'm planning on starting to stream again uh, at a decent regular amount because uh, if I really like this set, I'll stream a good bit. Plus, my wife leaves to go out of town tomorrow until, like, Sunday, and I get really fucking bored when she's gone. Like, my day consists of me making food and taking care of my dog. And my dog's pretty, like, okay without me for long hour periods of the day. I can, like, give her a bunch of food, go run around the neighborhood, and she'll sleep for, like, four hours, you know? Which, by the way, how do I sign up to just have the life of a dog? Please? Please? Like, you can walk into a room, roll over on your back, and just put your legs up, and someone starts rubbing your belly? Like, yeah, man, sign me up. You know, you're just... And you're f- next time we're both at a tournament, I promise I'll rub your belly if you do that. I don't like the idea of you coming into physical contact with me at a tournament because you always try to hurt me. It happened one time. Yeah, and, and I remember it very vividly. It hurt like a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you took the entire force of my body landing on your foot. No, on a specific toe. I'm very surprised my, my toe did not break. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, it was... Uh, an open in Las Vegas. It was the Las Vegas yeah, Open. It was the Las uh, Vegas Open. It was Brennan's last open besides his like one little comeback one or whatever. It was the team one. It's the one where you like played Is It Phoenix for like the first time in open. And we're getting ready for a feature match, and I'm like sitting in the I'm like sitting at my seat or whatever. Ross is in the middle. And I'm sitting at my seat ready to play. And Ross shifts his chair. So he's like sitting in a chair and he like picks it up and moves it. But when he does that, uh the leg of the chair, like the little square end yes, of it, lands directly. Chairs. Uh, say it again? This was before Karnak's chairs. Yeah, it was before Karnak's chairs. Just lands on my toe. So all of that and Ross just lands on my toe. Obviously, I yell at the top of my lungs and jump out of the chair. And everybody's like, oh my god, what's going on? And I'm just yelling because it hurt so bad, right? And so a judge comes over like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, I think I might have just broke a toe. And they're like, what? And I'll say this, not only is it, I'm surprised it wasn't broken, I'm surprised that the toenail survived, too. That, like, nothing just broke. Maybe it got more of, like, the knuckle than I felt like it did. It was just so much pain that I couldn't tell exactly where it landed or whatever. So I might be the only person who's ever had judges of, judges of permission to take my shoes and socks off in the middle of a, a, of a, of a match and during, like, in the feature match area. We had, like, there was actually a delay. There's there's actually a delay during that uh, the event. And I might be making this up, but I think I remember going back to watch the event 
and them talking about, and they were about to go down to the tables. They're like, oh, we actually have to, you know, wait a few minutes. There's a slight delay going on. Something's going on with Tannen down in the future. Like, they, like, blamed on me. They didn't know that I was physically hurt <laughs> or whatever. But so we, we delayed the tournament because Ross tried to break my foot. And I, I think it, it was, I can't remember why I wanted to move the chair. I just wanted it, like, back a little. Yeah. So I think it was so I could fit my bag underneath it in, in the place where I wanted so my water bottle would be easily accessible. I don't know. It was something very benign and instead ended up almost murdering Tannen. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. You probably wanted to murder me for a very long time. And this is, I should have seen the writing on the wall <laughs> when this happened. But instead, we just started making a podcast together. You know, hey. Yeah. You know, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So, uh,. I'm. I think I'm ready to stop being negative on the show. And like, it's not yeah, that we're I, negative, but just stop talking about stuff that's depressing. But I think it's. I think it's a good talk. Like I think it's something that we need to talk about and that we should talk about. And just shouldn't ignore and just be like everything's fine, everything's awesome. You know that kind of stuff. We're, we're Pioneer Podcast, and this is the this is the discourse on Pioneers right, you know, right now. So. Yeah, because you get that from us every week anyway. We still gave you a little bit of that today, you know. But I think it's important to kind of talk about you know these kind of things. And uh, this might not be the only episode we record this week because we might actually be co- recording the the extra episode uh, this week. That's for for patron listeners. That is the plan. Yeah, like I said, my wife's out of town. I'm going to be bored. I'm so excited to do the show because I went through some of the questions today that people have been posting in the uh, in the Discord. They're amazing. Uh, for anyone at home that isn't very active in the Discord, if you're a patron of the show, uh, send me a DM on like Twitter or Facebook or. Um, we'll get the we'll get the Gmail account out. Damn, you must be getting really lonely. No, I'm not looking. I'm just saying if they have a question that they want to put on the show. Yeah, just so slide into Tannen's DM. Yeah, just, slide, just slide on in. Just you know what's funny? Um, the most Water's DMs, fine. <laughs> the most DMs that I've been getting from the show uh, for are two things over the last say month or two. Mostly during, okay, the time of COVID. The two the two the two DMs I've been getting the most. A is uh, hey, can we come play Warzone with you? The answer is always yes. I've actually made some really good Warzone friends. Uh, and by the way, the average play skill of our viewers at home that have come to play Warzone with me is very high. They've all been very good. Nobody like is going to go out of their way and ask somebody, like, can I play with you without being good? That's not true. I, I, definitely I think had you're some... self, I think you're, you know, that process self-selects for uh, maybe, high skill. Up. Maybe you're right. And then the other one is uh, talking to me about V8 energy drinks. And like they're like, dude, I tried them because you recommend, you recommend on the show and they're awesome. Right? If you were like, I don't like this flavor, I like this one, how do you feel? I'm like, I like this flavor the most. But then someone sent me a message the other day with one that was a color and a flavor I had never seen, and my head exploded. So it just reminded myself I gotta order a six pack of that one and dry that one out. Cause there's because I've never seen it in a store as well. I also just get mine from Amazon because uh do you know on Amazon when you order stuff, you can just do recurring orders. So every month I have a case just show up at my at my house. Hold on. So what are the flavors that you knew about? So, um, like off the top of my head, there's there's so the pomegranate, like pomegranate blueberry, right? The pomegranate blueberry. There's a like banana peach. Give me a second. Give me a second here. I'm I'm pulling this up. I, I want to is... try to guess what the new flavor is based on the flavors that you knew about. Okay. Give me give me a second. I'm pulling it up right now. That's my that's my goal here. Okay. Um, pulling it up. All right. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Oh, I need to tell you, right? Uh, yeah. let me see products. You're, you're the one who's going ahead. Energy. Okay. Um, there, there's all there's one in here I haven't seen before either. They're doing all kinds of like spinoffs here. Okay, well there's a sparkling energy format now. Yeah, skip that. Okay, but the regular ones. So there's orange pineapple, 
peach mango, pomegranate blueberry, the, the goat, by the way. That's just the best one. Uh, black cherry. There's honeycrisp appleberry. I've never seen that one in a store. There's pineapple coconut. Never seen that one in a store, but I like pineapple and I like coconut. Uh, there's strawberry banana. I've seen it, had that one. Um, do you want me to not tell you the new one? Because this is the new one that I hadn't seen. Yeah, so that's that's all of the other ones. There's and then there's the sparkling ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's okay, there's like so diet cranberry raspberry. So they've they've hit a lot of their their tropical flavors. Okay, I'm gonna stop you. I'm gonna stop you. You you just got it. It's tropical green. That's just what it's called. <laughs> I was I was gonna go away from that actually, but yeah, I don't know. It's just tropical, tropical green what on the front mean? of it. It looks like it has an apple, a banana, and I don't know what that is. <laughs> the last, I don't. Can you, can you share your screen with me? Uh, I, I sure. Give me if it's second. green, it's it's probably a guava or a passion fruit. No, passion fruit's kind of more orangey. Or a uh, guava's definitely green on the outside. Can you see this? No. What is what is this? The little small thing right here. You see that's that's an apple. That's a banana. Yeah. What is that? What the fuck is that? Exactly. I don't know what that is. Is that like a? It's like a. It's like the top of a mushroom. Like what is that? I'm glad this is Can live. You, look at the right ingredients. Out. Look at the ingredients. Um, Scroll down. I don't. Do they have the ingredients over here? I mean, below it says know your ingredients. So I. Okay, learn more. Yeah, the nutrition facts down here. No, no, go back, go back. Keep scrolling. There we go. Is that this um, one? Is it just? Is it just pineapple? Is that what this is supposed to be? A pineapple? I think it's supposed to be. A pineapple. Oh, that could—that's a horrible-looking pineapple. It's supposed to be a pineapple, I think, because it says look, apple of juices, grapes, and pineapples. Yeah, but they also often flavor things differently than the juices they use. Yeah, but I'm looking at other stuff, and I don't see any other like full. There's like yeah, that's a, the, the fact that they're using pineapple juice certainly means that they want it to taste like pineapple. But apple and grape in like you know low-end juices are often just the juices used and then they flavor it to taste like whatever else they need it to taste like because apple and grape juices are cheaper mm-hmm. uh but i'm uh i think yeah i think that was a pineapple it didn't it looked like a very bad pineapple but i think it was supposed to be like you know like the segmented pineapple it's, it's, that's no, no, still sort of that's what it is it's when you like fourth a pineapple or like eighth yeah, a pineapple exactly. and it's it's face down so you can't see the it's just, it's just yeah, like the triangle, but, but like the but coloring it like is like a weird. horrible, it's, horrible version. It's of that. the coloring of an apple that has sat outside for like a day. You know when you like have apple slices and they start to kind of go brown, oxidize a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So that that sounds that sure that's very appetizing to everyone at home that's listening to me talk about Peter January. By the way, the campaign is still on. I'm going to be tweeting at them again sometime soon. So if you if you like this stuff at home or if you just want to kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, kind of go along with my joke here, stroke my ego, however you want to say it, like. If you want to go along with this and you don't have to be part of the V8 energy cult, you can tweet at them. Let them know that I should get an endorsement deal. I love this stuff. I've V8, if you somehow randomly are listening to this, I have had so many people buy your product because of what I've been saying. I've got the proof. We can find the receipts. Okay. <laughs> Probably literal receipts from a grocery store. Can you imagine me rolling up to an open in a V8 energy drink like jersey? My jersey is just like bright green or it's like it's that yellow that that horrible yellow that uh metagame gurus had for a while you know oh, yeah. the jim davis loved for some reason you're you're wearing sunglasses that are like shaped like cans oh god the just possibilities tossing out drinks to everybody uh, i don't know if it would be a jersey it would be it would be like the uh the dad vacation shirt like the hawaiian dad vacation shirt oh yeah like the, the aloha the, shirt the button down like 
way yeah, short sleeve. It's a short sleeve, but it's like you could tell it's too big. You know, it's not fitted at all. It's like <laughs> it's just it's just I'm swimming in it. You know, like. But anyway, um, we had a couple of questions for this week. Do you want to do those? Yeah, let's get to them. A couple in our mailbag. I'm looking at them right now. Because the first one's just for you. So I was going to let you, and then I might answer it or whatever, but we'll see. I've been racking my brain. It's it's a hard question. To I think it's a week. good question, too. I think the questions are really good this week. Um, this is from Big Time Games. He says, Ross, you mentioned your love for craft beer. If you had to create an MTG-themed beer, what style would you want it to be, and what would you name it? So, okay... The hard thing is to be MTG themed. Like, do you mean in general, or do I pick some specific element of MTG I want to theme it around? Ross, this is your question. Just, just go, yeah, go. With but it. I can. I'm just saying. The hard part is that you can interpret the question in many different ways. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to think about how to capture magic in general, so I'm going to go the latter route. Um, and it it's still it's still hard, right? Because I, I'm trying to think of of you know, when you think of magic, you think of colors. And it's not often that you get beer in a specific, like, bright color. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you do, it's usually a sour. I guess, if, especially if it's red. I'm not going to like get it. Some, I'll tell you that. You can get some sours that are red. You can get some stouts that are really black. Um, and so you, you can go that route with, like, a, a. but I'm not a big, you know, black player unless it's a graveyard deck and then, like, how are you theming it to be around that? I just, I'm, I don't know, Tannen. Like what? I like a lot of different styles of beer. There's not like one that I would really want to make. You know, anything that's not an IPA is fine. But like, how are you making like beer that represents any color that isn't, you know, black or red? Yeah. It's really hard to make like a blue beer. Like I was thinking that too. It's like, you know, do you have a Jace? Like cause you've seen the sodas where they have like, you know, a blue soda that has, like, Jace on it, right? Or, like... Yeah. You know... You can you can mix yourself a mock sapphire. Yeah, like... Uh, yeah, that's you know what I'm saying. Do you know what that is, Tannen? No. Do you know the, the drink Moxie? No. Well, if we mix it with Bombay Sapphire... Oh! I like... You get a mock sapphire. I like Bombay Sapphire. See, like, uh, one of the coolest gifts my wife ever got me... Have I ever told you about this? That Natalie is just very, very good at giving gifts? I... You did not. So, all of her gifts are always just, like, literal spot-on... Or it's something I've said I've wanted. You know what I mean? She just, like, I guess writes it down or something right after or whatever. Or it's just something really cool. So one of the years, uh, like, I think this is when we were still in... Vi- this is when we were still, like, dating, dating. We weren't even, like, living together or anything yet. And for Christmas or her birthday or something, when you're, she got me a set of five shot glasses. Right? Have I shown you these? So they're they're handmade. Like, you know, she got it off, like, Etsy or whatever, and she gave the person what she wanted on the shot glasses, and they in they engraved in the shot glasses. It's the five mana symbols in Magic. And uh, I remember at, at one point in time, I had them with me when I was living in Vegas, and it was, like, me, Brock Parker. Uh, Excuse me, Tannen. There are six mana symbols. I, I'm, Ross, you're, 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 I'm burying the lead. Please wait. I'm living with, like, Brock Parker, Ruben Bressler, you know, a couple other Magic players or whatever, blah, 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 and some poker players. And we sat there one day trying to figure out what we should drink out of each glass that would be, like, specific to it, right? I hope the black one got a shot of Jaeger. Yeah, black got Jaeger. Nice. Um, you know, Fireball in red. Yeah, Fireball was in red. I think I think Bombay Sapphire was in the blue one, you know, something yeah. along those lines. The white one was just like, do we do a white Russian shot or, like, what? 
you know, and then like just green, I think clear. was like absinthe was one of the things that came up. But I was like, I'm never absinthe for green. I'm never shooting absinthe again. I did it at a, a bachelor party. Like yeah, you 15. should not shoot absinthe. I did that in New Orleans. Just don't ever drink that or whatever. Oh, I drink absinthe a lot. Yeah, you know this. Yeah, I know. I like this. death in the afternoon. Have you ever just shot absinthe like a bunch of absinthe? Don't. Yeah, you can't shoot absinthe. That's that's a horrible I've idea. I've done it. It's never awful. Do, do not do it. I do not remember yeah. anything, and I broke my hand. <laughs> I'm dead serious. This is a thing. Talk that about happened. burying the lead. Yeah, that that actually happened. I was at a bachelor party in New Orleans a million years ago. Uh, I don't remember practically anything, and I know that I woke up with a broken hand. But um, anyway. So we did all that. And then, because um, this was before the sixth color came out. And then when it did, without telling me anything, one day I just got a package in the mail. I think we were living together this time or something. I don't remember. But I got a package in the mail. I now have the six shot glass with the colorless symbol on it. There or whatever. And I was like, what do we put into this one? And it's just like vodka. Yeah. Just something clear. You know, like. Straight vodka. Yeah, it's just, even though as much as I don't like drinking so vodka. What did anymore, you end up putting in the, in the white medicine? Uh, I think it said like 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 white Russian was maybe just too on the nose because it's like you, you, there's not a white Russian shot, and like I don't know like what looks milky, you know, like it's kind of gross. Like, but all right, we can do that another episode. I'm sure one of our viewers are gonna tweet at us this this week about like what's the perfect thing to do in there. But anyway, did you answer this question yet? Jesus, I haven't. But you reminded me of the time where a bunch of us were you know hanging out after an event. And started trying to figure out what the appropriate uh, potent potable would be for players of certain modern decks. Because it it came up because I had ordered a Blue Moon. We were at some, like, chain restaurant, so I couldn't get a great beer. So I got a Blue Moon, and it was during the time when I was playing Blue Moon in Modern. And, you know, there was some synergy there. And we started thinking about, like, what other, you know, players would would have to drink. I think Jund ended up being Jack and Coke. It's like the the standard, like the classic deck for modern that everybody knows and is like always okay but never good. There were there were a bunch of good ones. I I have a hard time remembering what they were, but that's what that you know discussion reminded me of. Just random nonsense that you talk about when you're in groups of people, and it made me nostalgic for those times because I'm never in groups of people now. Yeah. Yeah, all that. I I, st- I still don't have a satisfying answer for this. Um, I was trying to th- yeah, I was trying to think if like you do craft beer that like is either like the taste makes you think of, of a theme or the color of it makes you think of a theme. Like you know like you know would you make a black one Liliana because you know she represents like she's the the prototypical like or Veraska is like the prototypical like black uh, planeswalker and it's like you know that could be you know your stout type beers. Yeah, but that wouldn't be like. The problem with me is that the, the beers that make sense with certain magic themes are either not the magic theme that I would want or not the beer that I would want, I guess. Like, mo- mostly the former. Like, I, I just... Black and white are my two least favorite colors, but how am I making, like, a Simic beer? Like, how is that how is that working? I guess you could make a really, like, sort of herbal beer and, and call it green and, like, a spiced be- a spice beer. Um, I mean, it wouldn't be really green in color, but it would embody the spirit of, of greenness to an extent. So that, that might be interesting. But I also just really like dark beers. So just a jet black stout with the, you know, themed in, in some way. I, I don't even, like, how would you even theme it? Like, how do you theme something like with necromancy and, and all of those things that uh, cover the dark magic of black and magic and 
turn it into a beer. This is not really my forte. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think we're going to have to move along. Maybe you can answer this like later. You can come back to it. Maybe. I'll be honest. I saw this question. You know, this question got posted five days ago. I saw it then. I've thought about it at varying times since then to try to have a good answer. I haven't really come up with one. Big time games. If you've got good answers, post post them in here. We want to hear it because I'm, I'm, they've got to have at least one good answer, right? After asking Presumably. this question. Yeah, they've at least thought about it, but... I like the idea. I thought you would be better at answering this. I guess I'm not surprised that I was wrong because you're usually a disappointment. So we'll see if that continues on the, on the next question as well. Uh, this one comes hey. from... What? What the hell? You were drinking a beer. I could say whatever I want. You can't fight. <laughs> yeah, that's great. We're also just taking a big swig. So I, could, I, could, I could get this in. All right, anyway. Yeah, I was finishing my beer. Don't, just, just admit it. It was funny. Anyway, I love you. Uh, Mason Grode has, this, has the next question. It's... When playing in a paper GP or SEG event, I try to talk very little about the details of my past matches, as well as not listen to other people's play-by-plays in between matches to avoid cluttering my thoughts. I see some people play non-magic-related games in between matches. Do either of you have rules, disciplines, or rituals for yourself when in bigger paper tournaments? Uh, Ross, I know for a fact you like to play a non-magic-related game a lot during some of these events. Yeah, we play a lot of Love Letter between rounds. Cribbage. And, you know... Cribbage, yeah. Over the years, I've played a lot of different games between rounds. That's more to just pass the time than anything else. Um, I'm actually very well known for telling very long, overly detailed stories about the games that I just played. Uh, so if unless you want to hear that kind of story, don't ask me about you know my previous round or anything. But I'm the kind of person that like I I want to get that all out of my head, and to do that, I need to think through it immediately. Otherwise, I'll be thinking about it during later rounds. I just, you know, can't help myself. So I'll often sit down and really think about, you know, a tough previous game or match a little bit after the round. And then just that lets me move on. So it's less about expending the the total mental energy and more about deprioritizing that in my head. Because I know at some point, like, I want to evaluate it. And it's better to do it while fresh, while your memory's fresh and you know all the details of what was going on. And remember all of them. So I just like to get that out of the way. So if you find me like often like right after I'm done with the match, I'm kind of in a, I'll be in a conversation, but I'm not really present in that conversation. And I feel bad for the person I'm talking to because I'm still just thinking about the game that I was playing. And if they ever give me the opportunity to talk about it, I will just tell them every single excruciating detail. Oh yeah, you do. For it. It's it's very long winded. Yeah. It's, it's just what I do. So for me, the, like, the problem that Mason describes is something that, you know, I I run into, but my solution to it is to just, you know, think as hard as I can, write it in the aftermath between rounds, and that way I can just move on because I've, you know, I've done my thoughts. Here, here's my, like, 15-second impression of Ross when he talks to you about his, his magic. He, he comes up to you and he's like, you will not believe what happened to me in my last match. Like, Ross, make me believe what happened to you in your last match. He's like, all right, well, i got to give you a little backstory and set the... Set the set this up for a second. So when I woke up this morning, I was uh, not feeling that great, but I knew that I was hungry. So I'd already picked out my, uh, my breakfast spot because, you know, being a vegetarian, I, I do this stuff ahead of time. So I make sure that I get a good breakfast on the day of the tournament. I got there. I had, I had a big breakfast, right? I had a lot of eggs, a lot of, a lot of carbs, a lot of like some protein, a lot of beans and stuff in there. Cause I like a full English breakfast, if you know, something like that. So just, just know that going into this, into this round, I was a little bit gassy, right? So maybe <laughs> I, I rushed myself through my plays. I don't know. I didn't really take the time. <laughs> I can't keep a straight face doing this. This is incredible. It's so spot on. It's unbelievable. I couldn't keep it. Why'd you have to lose it? It's like like Ross just started laughing really hard in the middle of this, and you, you made me lose it. I couldn't keep a straight face. Anyway, 
I love you, man. I love when you, uh, you tell me. I will say this. I, I want them one way or the other, right? I want the quick, the quick story or like the ones where I don't have to ask questions. You know, because when they give you like the middling one, you're like, dude, you left something out. Like, yeah, yeah. You left something out. What happened? And, 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 and you often leave something out that is, you know, problematic yeah. a mistake that you made. Yeah. Uh, as for myself, um, I do like playing uh, other games in between time, like Morgan Chang and I, if ever at events, we usually like to play like some poker variant, like open face Chinese or something like that to, to, to any of the games, uh, you know, to keep our minds off magic. Because the mental acuity it takes to play like nine rounds of magic or whatever in a day and to play it at like a high level, it is exhausting. I am mentally fraught after these events, right? And this is after changing my sleep schedule and like being a real boy helped a ton in that aspect. Cause you know, like going to sleep at three or four in the morning, waking up at like seven or 8 a.m. to play in a metro, but that's just not good for you, right? Yeah, regardless of your age. Yeah, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, oh yeah, 18, 19, 20 year old Tannen could shrug it off, but like 35 year old Tannen, that ain't happening. I'm gonna not get out of bed. But also I think about like, you know, the team tournaments with, like, me, you, and Brennan, and, like, how little we would chat about our matches. Like, right when the match is over, we might say something, or we'd talk between them, but, like, in between rounds, we didn't talk a lot of magic. You know, we would, like, maybe say a few things here or there, and we'd talk about stuff that was important and we needed to talk about, but, like, we weren't really too cluttered with talking about what, what went on our matches. I mean, we did at a small amount, but, you know, I, also, I think it helped that a lot of the times, you know, some of the rounds we'd hang out, but some of the, a lot of the rounds we'd just go do our own thing in between rounds and stuff too, because I do think it's important to take like a mental rest, right? Like some kind of break. And I'm not going to lie. Uh, if, if we played a really long, hard match, especially the ones that are on camera where like the turnover rate is almost instant because SCG is absurd about that. You know, the next round's ready to go. Uh, yeah, I've, the last one. yeah. I've asked the judge if I could go use the restroom just so I could have two or three minutes to like not do magic. You know, I probably do actually need to pee, and that helps, but, like, because, like, I'll say this. I'm really bad about not taking care of myself during the actual event itself. Around the event, fine, but inside the event, I'm not drinking enough water, I'm not eating enough, and I'm not using the bathroom often enough, just because, like, it's so easily, it's so easy to get engrossed what you're doing and talk to everybody else. But just, like, find some other friends, because, like, if you're asking this question, this is obviously something that's come up and is a problem for you or affects you in some way. Find some friends uh, that have a common thing for you like love letter whatever play some games of that in between rounds if you can uh other people will come up and start talking to you you'll make other friends and other people will want to play or um i've heard i mean patrick sullivan once told me about this that he played in like a team event once and they were not allowed to talk about magic to each other outside of the game period like once their game is over or their match is over they could not talk about magic and he's like it was the most enjoyable weekend of magic i've ever played Talk about baseball, talk about basketball for him, you know, just whatever. Keep in mind, I will say to supplement your point, because I agree with it, but to supplement it, I will say that the strategy of, you know, going your own way and doing your own thing is a lot easier when you team with people like Tannen that you really just want to get away from. Yes, exactly. Like you need that break. You you, yeah. you need no Tannen time for a little while. It's very, I'm, I'm aware of shit. I got to go away from myself sometimes. <laughs> I gotta go just listen to someone else, you know? But, no, I think it's important. Um, I, I will say this. If you're, like, an up-and-coming player and you're generally trying to get better, it might be more important for you in some ways to talk to people about some of these plays and be like, hey, like, what would you have done here? That's important, right? And maybe you don't want to do it right then and there. Go write it down. Do, do whatever. Yeah. Writing it down and saving it for later is also a good plan. 
Uh, it's probably something that I should do more often than just getting into it immediately. Um, but I, I, you know, I think analyzing games that you've played, interesting games and decisions that, you know, you second guess yourself on is really good and talking with other people about it is good. Uh, but you've got to find, you know, the right group of people that wants to be doing the same thing. You can't just, you know, thrust that on to anybody passing by the way I do. That's just not, that's just not crickets. So, uh, uh, but I also do think there's something to analyzing things right, you know, in, in the aftermath of when they happened, when everything is fresh. Um, so that's why I, I like doing it. But I know that like, you know, once it, once my analysis is done, once I've thought about it, you know, I throw it away and then, you know, it's done and it, you know, leave things behind. And that's, I think that's kind of just a skill that you have to learn. It's sort of like the equivalent of the, the short memory from the quarterback, you know, when you throw an interception and they're running off the field like that, your coach always tells them, you know, short memory, short memory, just put it behind Shooters you. Shooters got to really shoot. You really do have to be, you have to be in the yeah. moment. And at the next time that you're playing, you can't be thinking about other things. But that, that is a skill, the ability to block, you know, distractions out of your mind. And that comes not only from, you know, previous uh, games that you're second guessing yourself on, but also, you know, other stuff that's going on in your life. You know, if you've got something going on with your job or your personal life and you're going to a magic tournament and you're that's still dominating your mind, then, you know, you've got to find some way, whether it's tackling that first and then getting on with your tournament or, you know, being able to compartmentalize effectively, you got to find some way to put it out of your mind, at least te temporarily uh, so that you can focus entirely on the game in front of you. I, yeah, I think those are all really good and important points. And if you want to talk more about this, like if you had some more specific stuff, feel free to DM us, feel free to, you know, talk about it in the, 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 the Patreon channel on, of the discord, because uh, we'll definitely, I'll, I'll talk about this all day if you want, because I, I think the mental aspect of the game is really important. I think people don't focus on that enough. And that's like one thing that we stress a lot in poker. Uh, I used to play competitive golf. That's a big thing in competitive golf. I would assume tennis and stuff. You know, the sports where it's less a team event, it's just all on you. If you lose, like it's, it's your fault, you know? Yeah. You messed up. Like you can't be like, dude, my teammate went over 17 from the field. Like, yeah, we get that. But like, that's not, that's not how it is. And, in stuff like magic, in stuff like poker, in stuff like golf, like the mental fortitude that you have to have. Because here's the thing. Those are games that are defined by losses because you are going to lose a lot, right? And it doesn't matter how good you are. Over the span of time that you're playing, you are going to lose a lot. You're going to hit bad shots. You're going to make bad plays, right? You're going to lose a lot of money. You're going to get top decked on. Yeah, you're going to get top decked on. You're going to get drawn out of the river. You're going to have a, a bad bounce somewhere where you're going to shank a shot. Or if you're me, you're going to shank a shot every goddamn hole. You know, like, oh, yeah. yeah, if you're me, it's going in the water. Well, right maybe not when I was a teenager, but like, you know, I was actually pretty good back then. Now I suck. But um, but yeah, like just everyone's different. F figure out what's best for you. Maybe take some of these examples, uh, some of these recommendations, you know, do do what you will with it. Ask some more questions. If anyone at home wants to ask questions on the show, join the discord. We're very active in there. But if you want your question to be read on the show and answered on the show or to be a little more uh, detailed answered, you got to be a member of our Patreon. Uh, all of our patrons get a little more access to Ross and I. Like you hear us read their, their questions on the show. You're also going to get your own episode of the show that other people are not going to get to listen to. So that's pretty cool, right? You get some exclusive content. I like the idea of that. We're going to be doing that show very, very soon. We were going to be doing it last week, but I went on vacation and we had the um, 
set get released a, like a few days early, so we went ahead and just did the set release episode that we'd like to do. Um, there's a complete section in the Pioneer Cast Discord made specifically for the Patreon bonus episode, and right now I think we got like you know 10 or 15 questions in there. Um, I'm I'm gonna say a few on the show just so people get an, like an inkling of what's going on and what we're gonna be talking about. Like maybe it'll get the creative juices flowing, or maybe maybe one people. Maybe it'll make one of people want to, you know, try this out. Uh, karaoke tales. They want to hear about karaoke tales. Like, who's your most underrated player? Your personal level up moment. One of my favorite. I'm, I'm really looking forward to answer this one, Ross. What would be your last meal? That's a, that's a good one. I know the specific answer, right? Um, so cool stuff like that. Uh, let's see if there's any other cool ones. Uh, you know, good book recommendations. Like, what's your favorite one? Uh, do you guys interactive cube? You know, kind of things like that. Favorite athletes, you know, things like that. Or your favorite athletes as magic cards. Cool stuff like Favorite street foods. Very much looking forward to answering that and hearing your answer because I might need to try something I haven't tried. So really looking forward to that. So make sure that you follow us on Twitter. It's at Cast Pioneer. Um, Make sure that you join our Discord. It's on that. uh, It's on the Twitter itself. The link's in there. If not, just message one of us. I can get you the link very, very easily. And join our Patreon. Like we said, it's patreon.com slash pioneercast. We've got three different tiers on there that you can support us monetarily. If that's a thing that you feel that you can do or want to do for the show, we really appreciate you. Everyone that is just listening and not doing the Patreon, we appreciate you guys and girls too. Thanks for coming out and showing up to the show. Everybody last week that showed up to the live show, that was a lot of fun. Ross, to, Ross, by the way, thanks for putting in the work again, all the extra work on oh, the show. You're, you're awesome. Pleasure. Brent, yeah, yeah, Brent, you're freaking awesome too for doing all the work on the show. I have the best gig of this. I just show up, look pretty, and talk into a mic. I do have to carry your bum ass through some of the shows, but it's fine. Uh, I'm I'm pretty heavy. I'm, you know, I don't exercise. I drink too much. I'm I'm joking, dude. You're you're great. <laughs> I, I love you all, uh, Ross. If people wanted to hear a little bit more about you, uh, follow you on Twitter, or you know, see some of that versus live that we mentioned, all that stuff. Where would they go? Okay, first things first, the one-stop shop is my Twitter account. I'm at Ross Hunneds, R-O-S-S-H-U-N-N-E-D-S. Uh, you will you know, find me blasting out whenever I go live on stream or about verses or articles or anything like that all there. And you can ask me questions. I do try to get back to people uh, on the website, as the kids say. Second thing is my content on SCG. Um, my articles go up on Tuesday mornings. Uh, this week's is about cards I feel are both overrated and underrated from Corset 21. So if you want to hear me fire up the hot take cannon, or in this case, the hot take tannin. Yeah, I like it. You can head on over to SCG. That article is live right now, uh, and I appreciate the support there. Then there is a Versus Live, the show I co-host twice a week with Corey Baumeister. We're on the Star City Games Twitch channel, same place you go to to watch that now sweet SCG Tour online coverage. Uh, we're there during the week, Tuesday and Thursday, from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern, playing, you know, whatever decks we think are relevant. We've been doing a lot of cool previous season stuff, so uh, appreciate the support there. If you can watch live, we take questions live on air. If you can't watch live, they do go up on YouTube a few days later, so check out the Star State Games YouTube channel for that. And then, last but not least, is my Twitch stream, which has been less active recently, and I'm starting to work that way back in, or work that back in, Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but I do uh, now stream at twitch.tv slash Ross underscore Miriam, M-E-R-R-I-A-M. So uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you can, you know, find out when I'm going live there. I'm 
trying to stream two to three times a week. Uh, we'll see how, how that works out, but not on a regular schedule yet, unfortunately. And I, I appreciate all the support that comes there as well. Tannen, if people want to find you doing all of those same things, where can they go? You can go onto Twitter at the Tannen Grace. I'm pretty active on there. Uh, I said, slide into my DMs if you need to talk about anything. Um, it's one of my favorite mediums nowadays, even though it's way more depressing than it used to be. I'm still quite addicted. I check Twitter. It's probably my most used app or website that I visit in, in all the world. Um, when it comes to streaming, I know on the show that I said I, I stream a little bit here or there. Uh, I do have a stream. It's just under Tannen Grace. The Tannen Grace is being held hostage by Ross's director. But anyway, let's see if you're there. I am actually planning to stream quite a bit coming up. I'm going to be getting back to regular streaming um, probably starting tomorrow. New set drops. My wife's going to be out of town for a few days. If I enjoy this limited format or the standard format at all, you will see me streaming quite a bit. And I'm really thinking about uh, like heavily uh, keeping up with my stats when I draft this format. You know, think about being like how many drafts I've played, right? Like what's my record overall? If I start streaming Magical Online, I'll definitely do that, you know, trophies, drafts, et cetera, et cetera. You know, yeah, records with color combinations. Yeah, yeah. Like just try to like lean into it because I'll say this. Um, while I liked the last format a lot, I found myself only drafting like one of two or three decks, right? Cycling. Well, cycling, because I yeah, we found that one like day two and it was absurd. Yeah. But then like I really liked the blue red spells deck and then the blue red splash white spells deck. So like they're <laughs> all forms of each other, right? Like I could have the train wreck decks of cycling that also have parts of like the spell decks, and like that was pretty much it. You know, I didn't really like mutate as yeah. much. Or, or you had a companion. Or I had a companion. Oh yeah, yeah. Like Gyruda, like let's go. I, that thing was unbeatable or whatever. But in this set, like just looking at the uh spoiler, I'm actually excited. There's like five or six like actual like archetypes that you could draft plus like opening rares or just opening like good card after good card after good card you know that's like this isn't a build around me type card but like it's just a solid card where we can go one way or the other type thing right and then I'm gonna, versatile card yeah and then i'm gonna find i'm gonna find stuff that i like and i'm super excited about corsets i find corsets to be actually be a ton of fun to draft because so do i actually yeah i, I think it on general they're a tiny bit lower in power level too right and which i actually like i think it makes for a better limited experience like the games play out more like you're attacking and blocking more often if that makes sense i I also think they don't pigeonhole you as much in terms of archetypes Mm -hmm. a lot of the time in the regular sets like the mechanic the limited formats are so driven by the mechanics of the sets that uh you just kind of like try to draft around those mechanics oh 100 more often than not 100 percent agree with you yeah a little bit more free form in the core sets. Yeah, 100% agree with you. So I'm, I'm really excited about kind of like returning to streaming. I, I just need something else to be doing in, in my free time. Like I feel like I'm wasting too much of my free time right now. Probably playing a little bit too much Warzone and stuff recently. So I don't know if I'll be streaming any Warzone anytime soon. It just taxes my computer like way too much to have that Discord and uh, and uh, what is it, Streamlabs? Yeah, Streamlabs up all at the same time. Um, it just gets to 100% CPU usage and I see like too much decay off of it. But I'm going to stream myself playing poker, too, for a little fun, just because it's cathartic for me. It's easy. Um, it sucks that we can't play music anymore, because I'm a big fan of just, like, jamming to music. And it really fucking sucks, the big one. Yeah, I've been playing some of the, like, non-copyrighted stuff. Like, what is it? Uh, the, the like, the 24-7, like, YouTube channels that just, like, stream music and stuff and whatever. It's it's fine. It's just not the same. Yeah, it's not even close to the it's same. It's not the same. Dude, I just want to jam out to, to some Fall Out Boy or whatever and yell, get some Taylor Swift going. You know, just whatever. Yeah, the, I, it, I think that has contributed to my, you know, decrease in streaming as well as just not being able to play my music. Though I've, I've seen some streamers just say, fuck it. 
until they like actually tell me specifically to stop yeah i'm just gonna do it i thought about doing it too because i'm like so small that it doesn't matter you know what i mean and like people don't really like like i thought about not streaming music while i'm drafting like the actual physical drafting thing so they can hear what i'm saying and then if they just like mute me playing the games like whatever you know like you could, you could just watch the games and figure it out kind of stuff um i might start doing that yeah i was like the one of the main streamers i watched they were like one of the bigger ones him and a bunch of his friends were talking about that they're like Man, I found a lot less energy in the games lately because I can't play like my pump up music in between. You know, because they, they they don't like they stream Warzone and like when they're actively playing, they don't have music going because hearing is very important in the game. Like you hear people walking and like stuff, or you hear something hit next to you. But in between the games, they like play like you know some like some high energy. They're like, let's go, let's get pumped. You know, and, like they can't do that anymore because like they're huge, so like they can't risk anything. You know what I mean? So. That kind of stuff. Um, I think that covers pretty much everything for me, right? I covered Twitch. I covered Twitter. Uh, you can reach us. What about your versus live? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm in there in the chat pretty often. I haven't been <laughs> lately because I've been working too much or whatever, but, and I've been playing too much Warzone, but uh, I see a theme developing here. But I'm in there a lot. Um, I usually pick fun at Ross and Corey, but usually they turn around and make a joke really bad about me and burn me really good, so... It's it's a good time. That is generally how it goes. Yeah, it's a good time. But it's hard when it's two on one. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does even it out for y'all because y'all at least together can make one real insult because you're both kind of bad at it. So you're just too nice. Like Corey's just like too nice. Like I'm certainly not too nice. You're not mean though. Not that you're not, you're just a, you're just a Scrooge. Like you're not like an actively <laughs> like vindictive go after someone person. You're just like yeah, the world sucks. Corey's just a freaking puppy. Like. That tail is wagging the whole time. Which, by the way, have you met his puppy yet? Oh, yeah. That puppy looks amazing. It's going to be huge, yeah. right? Um, I actually, like, his paws don't look super huge. What, what breed he's is it? definitely going to be big. It's a black lab. That thing's going to be huge, Ross. <laughs> they, they are, they are, I mean, they're just big normally. But this this one did not strike me as one that is going to be particularly large for its breed. I wish I could come visit and hang out. Like, I should just drive up while my wife's out <laughs> just for If it was, like... If it was like seven hours or something like that, or six hours, I would like actually consider it. But it's like and instead, it's like sixteen. It's over twelve, I think, or it's like around twelve. It just depends. I think it's 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 like a full day of driving. And I mean, like a full day of driving, you know, kind of thing and stuff. So, are you looking up Roanoke to Baton Rouge real quick? Thirteen and a half. Yeah, no big deal. I can you know just knock that out real quick. You know, look, twenty-five year old Tanner can knock it out. I don't I don't know if I could do that anymore. But no one should do that. I told you about all my drives involving Vegas, either Dallas to Vegas or Baton Rouge to Vegas. I just did them all in one day, right? Yeah, you're a maniac. Well, I had somebody else in the car, but... Yeah, you're still a maniac. That doesn't change anything. Still a maniac. All right, we're at about two hours. Let's go ahead and call this one until next week. Um, or until a few days from now when we do the, uh, the extra episode. So if you're hearing this and we haven't recorded it just yet, make sure you get those questions in. Send them into the Discord. Bother Ross on Twitter. At him. He loves it. Just just at Ross. Like, everything that you want to talk about, he loves it. Except for complaints, you can send those to at Shaheen Sarani. Yeah, definitely Shaheen Sarani, for sure. In fact, did you know Shaheen's actually, like, probably one of, if not the best player in our Warzone little circle? Doesn't doesn't surprise me. He's the oldest one, though, right? Isn't there some correlation or whatever of, like... He, he was probably playing Doom in 1994. Yeah, so was I. <laughs> I was, like, really I was like really good at FPSs when I was younger, and I'm just, like, not as good as him. But whatever. It's fine. I've been horrible at the time. We just make so. we just make jokes about being the, that it's the uh, the MTG retirement home, 
It's like a whole bunch of us like retired players because like Todd Anderson's in there too, and like just having land parties in your retirement home playing Dude, Halo. Okay, I actually joked about that at one point. It's like, what are retirement homes gonna look like when we're at that age? Like they're gonna have like video game systems or something, and right and like computers and stuff like instead of these people just playing bridge all the time it's gonna be like yo i just want to look at my phone and play on the internet like you know you hark back to what you've done most of your life right for you just like there's just gonna be six packs everywhere but i mean like you know whatever sounds good all right we'll talk about that and we'll see y'all next week thanks for listening